2: Special Operations, Cobert Ops,
0: Espionage, The Team House, with your hosts, Jack Murphy and David Park. Hey everyone, welcome to this bonus episode of The Team House, joining you at the uh, rare hour of (laughs) noon. What is it? Yes, it is just afternoon Perfect. here in Brooklyn. Usually this show happens Friday night when we're drinking way more than we should be. So we have a very sober episode with former CIA officer Mark Polymeropoulos. This is his third appearance on the show. He is the author of Clarity in Crisis. Um, we're really pleased to have you back on the show, Mark. Thank you for coming in. It's
2: it's, uh, it's great to be here, if not not an evening performance, which means I you know, I got to drive back to Virginia after this so uh so we're gonna we're gonna stay sober which means that i don't have to have that self-hate you know tomorrow morning like what the hell did i say last
0: night it's uh (laughs) it's been really cool watching you um since like right after you retired and got out to kind of like what is this like second phase of your post cia life What what has that been like what are you what are you doing
2: Well, lots of different stuff. I mean, you know, you you always kind of try to find yourself after retirement. And so, you know, one of the things I've fallen into is kind of this this leadership genre. You know, I wrote a book, obviously, on leadership. Um, And I've gone, and I obviously have some private sector clients, and I talk to businesses on it. But now I've kind of jumped into the sports world. And so I was up here in New York, and it's awesome that I got the opportunity to stop in today. But I was up here talking to St. John's University Baseball. Um, and so sports teams have really, really kind of, you know, uh, uh, gravitated towards the book because there's so many lessons in there, which are really applicable to sports. So, um, it's been really fun and, you know, I get a chance to kind of help mold, you know, the, the, you know, young men and women in in athletics and and how they deal with adversity, something that I obviously, um, dealt with a long time, but it's, it's been a blast. So I think, and I think that's where I want to go. You know, you never know. I still do some, you know, commentary on foreign policy and foreign affairs and, um, but the sports stuff is, that's kind of my passion now. So it's been fun.
0: You're like a lifelong baseball fan, right?
2: Yeah. So I, you know, I'm a, uh, I grew up in Jersey, and so you know, Dee'll be upset when I say this, but I'm uh, uh, because we we did some summers up in Martha's Vineyard. So I'm a Red Sox fan. Gross. I am not a Yankees or Mets fan. So he's upset with me already. Gross. But, um, but I am I just you know, crazy baseball fan. My son's playing, you know, uh, college baseball now for a junior college down in Richmond. Um, it's just one of my passions. But the interesting thing is that you know, as I have kind of reflected on my career as an intelligence officer and dealing with adversity and. A lot of tough times, and you know, you know, sometimes you know, uh, you know, percentages aren't with you. Very similar to baseball, you know, you hit 300, you're an all-star, but that means you fail seven out of the ten times. And so there, there's just there's there's kind of great similarities in the two worlds. I've kind of found a you know an interesting niche to to talk about this, and so here we go. I, I gotta get I gotta get some clients from pro sports teams. I think that'll pay more. Okay, that's the next step.
0: I uh, I don't can't remember if I ever mentioned this to you or not, but I had a friend once tell me that you guys were somewhere in I think East Africa playing baseball, trying to knock out the windows on the Iraqi embassy. Oh, yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. Softball. Yeah, that was, uh, that that seemed like the right thing to do. I think that was, uh, well, that was a long time ago. Um, uh, I believe it was in a a temporary duty assignment to Khartoum. Um, But it seemed like the right thing to do. I was trying to hit the ball as far as possible and hit the Iraqi embassy. I don't know if we succeeded, but it was fun. So that's just good memories.
0: So, yeah, I mean, uh, it's been really interesting to see all of this. And, yeah, you offer – or you're still very much engaged in, like, foreign policy sure. and you offer a lot of commentary and you work with a lot of people in the media. Um, what, what's that been like going from, like, being completely black? Oh, yeah. Like, I do not – you know, Mark Palomaropoulos right. undercover – so, you know,
2: it's, it was, it's been an interesting evolution. And when I, when I was going to retire, I asked a couple of friends of mine, former agency, you know, senior officers, um, former, you know, Deputy Director Mike Morrell or John Cipher or others that you see in the media, Doug Weiss, and I, I asked them, I said, you know, what do you think of, of my doing this, of my kind of, you know, coming out and actually, you know, doing what some of what you all are doing, but just, you know, uh, you know, talking about the agency and talking about intelligence and in kind of in the, you know, in the, in the spotlight, and they actually all, like to a T, said it's a really good idea because we need that voice, yeah. Um, uh, and so, you know, you're obviously you obviously you abide by your secrecy uh, agreement. Um, but, you know, explaining to the American people why, you know, we need to have an intelligence organization, explaining, you know, the importance of intelligence. And, you know, I mean, look what's happening now in Russia, Ukraine. You know, Intel is um, kind of top on of the list of, of a tool that's being used now um, by the administration. But, you know, that that is only a good thing, because, you know, in the age uh, or in the, in the year 2022, where there's, you know, a staggering amount of data of open source material like. American people got to understand why the CIA has to exist. Yeah. And if we can't explain that to them, you know, you know, are we going to become uh, irrelevant down the line? So, you know, the idea of talking openly about it, it's been fun. Sometimes, you know, I, I wonder, you know, I, I try to only talk about things which I had, you know, which I worked on in the past. I mean, I remember one time that, you know, CNN called me up and asked me to comment on a, you know, a, an issue involving China. And I said, you know what, that's not me. Um, you know, I want to focus on things like, you know, uh, you know, counterterrorism in Afghanistan, Syria, Iraq, you know, a little bit of Russia, um, things I worked on because you want to be credible. And, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm always wondering, like, you know, if my old friends, uh, you know, back at the agency, you know, when they when they see me on in the media, you know, some might not think it's a think it's a smart idea. Um, some might think it's fine, but you all, all want them to say, well, at least Mark knows what he's talking about it's and good to figure important. out what your
0: wheelhouse is oh, or what yeah. your own left and right limits are yeah. because as we know there are a lot of people out there constantly offering commentary on things they know fucking nothing about and it's like all come the time on, come no, on, i man. mean I,
2: I always wonder you know you know should i try to get one of those gigs you know as a as a contributor right, on right. cnn or msnbc or fox because so often i do see folks and you're just it's sometimes it's cringeworthy um, but at the same time, you know, I, you know, I, I, again, I only want to talk about things that I know about. Um,
0: I sometimes get asked to offer commentary or, or even go in the media to talk about things like police shootings. Right. And it's like, listen, I'm not a police officer. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a civil rights expert. Like, this is not my wheelhouse. Right. I'm gonna stay away from that.
2: It's it just, it's you know, you got to be authentic. You got to be credible. Um, you might not like what I have to say. Um, but at least you want someone to say, well, he knows what he's, you know, what he's, what he's talking about. And that sometimes means turning stuff down Yeah, yeah, and that's fine and say, you know, I, I just, I'm not, you know, people, you know, I, I had a little bit of experience on Russia, you know, before I left, I was the acting operations chief for clandestine operations in Europe and Eurasia and that included Russia, but I only did that for two years. So, you know, I don't like to be included as a Russia expert. I can comment on Russia, um, cause I, you know, I did it for several years, um, you know, uh, and, but then, you know, in the opposite, you know, in terms of counterterrorism, um, in, South, in South Asia and the Middle East, I can talk about that all day because um, that's what I did.
0: It's it's interesting being billed as an expert, isn't it? As supposedly, I should be like an expert on counterterrorism through things that I did or, and right. studied. But then again, if someone put me on the spot and asked me, Jack, can you walk me through the history of Palestinian nationalism – there would be an embarrassed silence. Uh, well, I, w- I wouldn't be able to do it off the cuff,
2: right? I mean, so so the other thing that we have to be careful on, whether you're you know a, a journalist or you know former military, um, in your case or myself as former intel, is that we're not academics. Um, the other thing too is like I'm older, like I forget stuff, so I, I couldn't do that either. I mean, I, I you know I've spent a lot of time doing Palestinians, but if you you know, you know but I'm I'm not teaching at Columbia um, uh, or any place like that, and so you know you just got to be I think you have got to be careful. I, I was I have I have a new thing I'm doing now. I'm a let's see how, how i mean non-resident senior fellow at the atlanta council okay um, what
0: what does that mean for, so it means for I, the squares right, out there
2: so the atlanta council is, you know is a is a very prominent you know in essence you know one of the dc think tanks um, uh, but you know as a former government official you know they wanted my kind of expertise on hybrid warfare okay and so i have to you know i have to do some writing um, uh, a couple times a year do some you know uh, comments uh, commentary in the media um, attend some conferences but they like having you know, former government officials there. And so, but what's interesting to me is, as I, you know, there's also, you know, again, I, I kind of go back to what I'm good at and what I know I, I, you know, need to work on. There's a lot of really smart people there. And sometimes I kind of, you know, uh, worry a little bit, like, you know, you know, should I be in this, uh you know, in this room? Right? Because there's super smart academics with, you know, with, with decades of uh, of experience. And uh, now, now, they would counter and say, well, you're actually a practitioner, you're right, an operator. Right. And so we need that um you know that view from kind of the street level and and I get that and I can do that but that, I, I that was can't.
0: a point that uh Mick Mulroy brought up when he was on on right. the show because he went up and became um in policy White House policy I get his title wrong every time, but he was like the deputy Middle East advisor or something, something of this nature at the White House. And he said, you know, coming from being a paramilitary officer in the CIA, it's very good to have a practitioner, at least in the room with the people who are forming policy to have that perspective there. And I
2: think and that's the you know, that's the niche I want to play. Or, or you know, or, or, you know, know, or sit in with the, with the Atlantic Council, but I have to also be careful. I'm not going to give you kind of the, the history of Russian hybrid warfare from, you know, from 1950 on. Um, so, you know, it's, it's just, again, it's just kind of having some humility, knowing what you're good at, what you're not. Um, I certainly had a lot of humility after all my kind of ups and downs in my career, so i got to keep that going. I, I, I mean, the, and the idea of doing stuff in the media, like you can't, someone gave me some really good advice once. They said, don't do the commentary in the media to see your name in the New York Times. Yeah, all the time and get excited about it, you know, do it to offer something unique and interesting. Um, but if you do it just to get those, you know, those those TV hits or, or the or the, you know, the press hits and prominent publications, you're, you're doing it for the wrong reason.
0: Right, right. You just become a talking head. Yep. I wanted to jump into um, a related topic that we were talking a little bit about off camera before. Is the situation that's been unfolding in recent weeks in Ukraine and some of the tensions with Russia and we're having a a conversation which I I think we both agree on that we're kind of seeing America fight back in a way that we haven't been for quite a while it feels like and playing information warfare games with the Russians and kind of beating them at their own game. Um, What do you think about some of the the diplomatic signaling and messaging that has come from our government over the last few weeks?
2: Well, and I would say, like, you know, finally, it's about damn time. Yeah. You know, so again, we're talking about the the practice of hybrid warfare, um, where information operations always plays a a key role. And for for the first time in a long time, the U.S. is actually doing this successfully. So, you know, and, and these are not intelligence leaks. These are authorized disclosures of intelligence information that is designed to kind of keep Vladimir Putin and the Russians, you know, on edge or, 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 kind, of, or kind of knock them off their game. And it's really smart. Um, it's almost gotten into, you know, Putin's decision cycle in his head. Um, it's also sowed a lot of, you know, uh, uh, probably a lot of doubt that we have, you know, uh, uh, you know penetrated his government, both mm-hmm. with human mm-hmm. and technical means. I don't know if it's true, and it doesn't matter if it's true. Um, because that's what it seems like.
0: It just matters that he thinks it's that he true. thinks it is, and so <laughs> so
2: ultimately, you know, it's uh, uh, it, you know it's it's playing or it's it's you know it's finally leveling the playing field with the Russians, and I think we've done a really good job on that. So, you know, whether an invasion is imminent or not, by by saying that we know that it is imminent, um, uh, you know, th- that is designed to forestall an invasion, you know, to right, and so so I think that was it's, it's been done in a really smart fashion. I think, you know, there are going to be you know you know history books written on this. Um, but hopefully it becomes, you know, kind of part, part of a practice. If you if you look back to uh, the 2014 time period, again, you know, the and we say that, you know, actually Russia has, you know, when Russia first invaded, um, this is, you know, uh, uh, there was intelligence um, that was not released to the public. And there was a struggle. And, you know, this has been talked about in, in the media le- recently. There's a former U.S. ambassador, you know, Mike McFaul, who's on all the time, saying they wanted, he wanted to release information, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. but the intelligence community wouldn't do it. Um, this time they are. So I think we Doesn't
0: we've learned- the White House, the president, have the uh, the ability to declassify at will, right. whatever ultimately? He ultimately, wants. the
2: president can, but you really have to have a kind of a, a cooperative relationship. So the DNI, of real Haynes, is the one who's doing this. She has that power as well. The DNI has that uh, declassification authority, and so I think they've been really smart on this. And you know, uh, there's been some kind of talk of do we risk you know sources and methods, and I don't think so. Um, uh, again, because I don't even know if this is real. And, right, you know, you know right. if we really have penetrated now, the intelligence is real um but but just you know the you know kind of getting in Putin's head, this is brilliant, um, and I think they've you know so far they've done it successfully there there is i think there's probably in the media um you know it causes a lot of kind of you know hysteria is the wrong word, but a lot of concern about in, the imminence of an invasion yes, um well, you know that's for journalists to kind of decipher its information
0: operations. i i you know? I, I definitely wanted to bring that up, and I think that's kind of like some of the boomerang effects that this has. And and I was mentioning earlier, I'm a little disappointed in the way a lot of journalists and academics and people who should know better have responded to some of the signaling we're sending out um, and that they're taking it all at face value without putting any sort of critical thinking or context behind right. it. Um, and I think hyping it up and scaring people maybe more than they should be. Um, and that's just a secondary or tertiary effect of what we're doing. And it's like, Hey guys, like you might want to view this information with a little bit of skepticism. Like we're putting this out for them. Right. Oh yeah. You're not supposed to look at this and just take it at face value uh, at the same way. But, um, yeah, how do you mitigate that? Um, and and like you said, it's it's, journalists have a responsibility to handle that in a uh, responsible, incredible way. And I, I think that, Maybe they could have done some more diligence on it, um, and how they represented that information to the public.
2: Right, and, and so you know, and, and, and I hear you on that, and I agree with you. The other kind of the wild card, though, is I don't know if anybody knows what Vladimir Putin's going to do. Sure. Um, you know, from again, from my limited time, you know, working Russia, but from you know, extensive time on the Middle East, where there, there are plenty of other autocrats. Um, you know, I think that, you know, that, that these are individuals, you know, leaders who, you know, who are not, you know, perhaps they act rationally sometimes, but they're not acting in the best interest of their country on, on courses of action that they want to take. And so, you know, I would argue that, you know, kind of looking at the intelligence community overall, I think we've done a really, the, the intelligence community has done a really good job of providing, you know, situational awareness to the policymakers. So there's 150,000 Russian troops, um, you know, uh, on the borders of Ukraine. And and so, uh, you know, we have done our job. We, my old outfit, has done its job of providing that warning function. But, you know, it's not our job to be predictive in time and place. Right, and right. you can't ask for that, especially with a leader who literally could change his mind, you know, overnight based on a whim. Um, so it's not like the intelligence community has to kind of get up and go home. But I think this has been, a, you, know, it, 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 you know, they've had a pretty good run. Um, cause you, you give the policymaker options and, and what I like to do also is, you know, I like to think, you know, like kind of with the, what do we call it? The right of boom mentality. So that, that worst case option of full on invasion, you know, we are now planning for that. So there are plans in place to me. That's when the intelligence community has done its job.
0: I want to just dig a little bit deeper in there to kind of expand this, um, for viewers, some people who are not, you know, follow this stuff super closely, um, as far as what we're trying to do by sending out some of this messaging, talking about the invasion being imminent, um, saying outright the this invasion is going to happen um, in some cases, even putting like timelines on right. it. Uh, I, I recently interviewed uh, Nick Trickett, who's a Russian analyst or a Russia analyst, and uh, he had some very interesting things to say. His point was that by saying the Russians are going to invade, we're kind of taking that threat away from the Russian government. Um, they can't threaten to invade because we're saying every day you're going you're to going invade. They're going to invade, right?
2: No, it's. I mean, look, I, I think it's it's pretty brilliant, uh, right. As well, again, it, it's you're almost ahead of the decision cycle even of Putin. Um, uh, and, and so, you know, the, the warning of imminence also then allows allies to kind of, to, to, allows the United States to kind of rally our allies altogether. Um, and, 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 you know, I don't, I don't doubt that there is intelligence that shows that, you know, that, Putin could evade at any time. Right, right. Um, it's just a question of, will he? Uh, and so maybe you push it a little bit and you say, or you kind of selectively leak saying that, yeah, the invasion's going to be on, I think it was actually supposed to be today. Yeah. <laughs> Wednesday. Well, there's no, you know, I I think that's, you know. And you're
0: making him look like a punk because either he invades and proves that he's a bully. Right. Or he backs down, he blinks and looks like a coward. I
2: think we put him in a box. Yeah. um, Yeah. You know, uh, uh, a bit. And so, and. And, you know, this doesn't work if we have, you know, the, without diplomatic efforts amongst, you know, the NATO uh, alliance. It's really
0: interesting because ultimately... Military efforts, we've deployed troops right. over to Romania yep. um, and in Poland. In Poland and Germany. And,
2: and I mean, and you actually have a strength in NATO to a, de- to a degree that we couldn't even have imagined several years ago when former President Trump was dissing NATO all the time. Well, like, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing now that this move by, by Putin, this obviously aggressive and threatening mood has, as, as, you know, uh, has really allowed to, to kind of, you know, for the alliance to kind of regain its, its credibility. Um, uh, and, and ultimately, I think that's a good thing, um, you know, because, again, we're, you know, we're back in an era of great power competition. Is that what we're calling it now? It's, it was near peer. Uh, don't get me, don't get me started on the buzzwords. Know, DOD always has a different different buzzword. But, you know, we've moved away from kind of the CT wars, counterterrorism wars, for, for two decades. And so we're back to great power competition where alliances really matter. Um, and NATO is strengthened. That's a really good thing. Even the, you know the Germans are even coming around, and you know there's been a, a, a tremendous amount of criticism because Germany wouldn't allow for overflights and wouldn't you know provide any lethal uh, assistance. But even I think um, uh, even the Germans you know you know in, in private you know you know we're saying that Nord Stream two the the gas pipeline um, you know that would be canceled with a Russian invasion. So pretty remarkable. You know if you if you're into the transatlantic alliance stuff. This is, you know, we're, we're back at, at, right, at, at really right. at, at a high point.
0: And we're seeing, I was writing uh, a week ago about how... We are the focus on this is kind of going back to, um, you know, mainstream DOD deterrence as opposed to the, like the sexy counterterrorism special right. ops missions. And I think it's the DOD has like the Office of International Cooperation or, or something of that nature. But it's, it's just the, the programs that distribute lethal aid and, and includes trainers and training them up. And it's all there's nothing secret about it, it's, right. pu- it's publicized yep. quite openly. And all of that plays into deterrence, the yeah. you know, bringing javelin missiles and other ammunition sure. over there.
2: I think that, you know, it'll be interesting to, to kind of look back. Um, I mean, well, first of all, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, you know, we could have this discussion now, as, as we're saying, you know, that, and, and, you know. As tanks are rolling as across tanks are rolling the border. across, and, <laughs> and D, you've got to check the Twitter feed. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, uh, we'll redirect, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Um, but, you know, so, so ultimately, you know, that classic deterrence of providing, you know, which is, in, in essence, defensive equipment, um, you know, that might be, you know, uh, that might really have worked. Um, you know, at at the end of the day. And so, and and so, you know, we're not back to sending, you know, thousands of US forces. Um, You know, we are back to kind of that old classic, you know, style of, of, you know, uh, providing, you know, military assistance to another country, Um, obviously we provide training. Um, But I think that's a good thing. Uh, And again, when we're talking about China, Russia, you know, that's going to be the wave of the future.
0: What do you think from your perspective is President Putin's uh, overarching goal with Ukraine? So,
2: you know, it, it, uh, you know, I, I, I think this is where, you know, so many in the United States and really administ- many administrations um, have gotten it wrong, because, you know, Putin, at the end of the day, uh, uh, is, is obviously one not to be trusted. Um, but he does not believe Ukraine is a country. You know, he believes it's, you know, it, it's certainly part of kind of historic Russia. Um, and his goal is to destroy the NATO alliance. I mean, and, and the amazing thing that people seem to miss is that he talks about this openly. He is open about this all the time. I mean, there's you know there there's you know I think a famous uh uh session you know, with the nato secretary general and and Putin several years ago when you know the NATO secretary General said something like "We look forward to working with you and Putin's response is, "Well, I look forward to destroying you know uh, you know what you have built i mean you know NATO is not something that russia you know uh, uh ever would you know would cooperate with or, or or be in favor of and so ultimately um I think we have to treat Putin for what he is he is he is a autocrat in charge of a rogue state um Russia is not our friend. You know, uh, you know, myself and several other officers, um, maybe a year or two ago, wrote an op-ed in the Washington Post um, about kind of the fallacy of cooperation with Russia on counterterrorism, um, because we're always asked to do it, and we always kind of roll our eyes and off we go and do it, and it never works um, because they don't want to cooperate with us, and so ultimately, you know, Russia has to be treated as an adversary and an enemy, and and you know, Putin's the head of that state. I guess you know until until you know. 2030 something now. I mean, you know, obviously there's some decree that, um, that 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 was passed. So you know, this is something we're going to have to deal with for you know for for now you know for, for decades into the future. But this is not our friend. Um, and the, the other point too is that you know even as we kind of stand down or, or perhaps the tensions have, you know uh, uh, diminish a bit in terms of Ukraine, he's still going to have 130,000 troops on the Ukrainian border. And I think the you know this is going to be a long slog now. You know, if there is no invasion, those those units are not going back. You know, to garrison Um, those units will still be in in a a, you know you know in a posture that's quite menacing, and so we're going to be kind of in this slow, long grind with Putin, and we got to stay strong on that.
0: I've tried to point out, I don't know what your thoughts are, that the Russian narrative or or President Putin's narrative of stopping Ukraine from joining NATO is really moot in in the sense of this this current context, this current conflict. They've already taken Crimea and parts of eastern Ukraine. There's no way. That Ukraine can join NATO when they don't have control over some of their territory. It's the same reason why the Russians are in South Ossetia and Georgia. A, a country can't join the NATO alliance when it would immediately yep. drag That's us right. all into an Article Five. Absolutely. So, like, what is what is Putin really talking about when he's like talks about NATO? You know, going Look, this into is, Ukraine.
2: This, he, Putin fears a democratic Ukraine. Uh, he, you know, he fears a country on its on uh, on his border um, that is evolving. Uh, that does have democracy, that has freedom of thought and expression. I mean, that, that to me is kind of the basic part of it. It's the, the idea of NATO and NATO expansion is, is silly because it's not on the table. Um, you know, we can't you know, openly say that Ukraine is not going to join NATO because Ukraine is a democratic country, and if it wants to join, it can go through a process of doing so, and we have to allow democratic states, you know, uh, uh, to kind of move forward on that. Um, but if it really was about Ukraine joining NATO, you know, Putin wouldn't be there now because they're not going to join NATO. Right, right. Uh, uh, now, what's interesting is um, he, has, he has amassed enough force and we are providing, uh, you know, a considerable amount of defensive assistance. Um, you know, there was always the talk of the Finlandization. Yes. Well, Finland, you know, has the F-35. <laughs> so, you know, is that what we, you know, so, so are we going to end up, you know, giving the F-35 to the Ukrainians? Well, they might not join NATO, but they might have the most advanced U.S. fighters um, at the end of the day. So, you know, I, I think this is a huge kind of misstep um, uh, by Putin. But, the, the, you know, the, the, the talk of, of, you know, NATO enlargement or not is um, is not serious. That's certainly moot. Um, and I, I think he really just fears democracy, uh, you know, a, a democratic state. And Ukraine is making progress. And that's a great thing for, for the United States, a great thing for the for the West. Um, certainly not a good thing for, for Putin.
0: Sorry, viewers out there, if uh, you can hear the drilling going on yeah, next door. It's uh, typical that you start doing one of these streams and somebody starts. That's all right.
2: <laughs> We're during the, it's good to be in Brooklyn. You know, I was. You know, I grew up in Jersey. I think, Jack, I was telling you, I grew up in Jersey. Um, as, as I was a kid, and I think about my kids now and what I don't allow them to do. You know, <laughs> but when I was a kid, at like 11 years old, I'd jump on the train out of New Brunswick and come to see New York Ranger games at, at Madison Square Garden. Um, and so it's, you know, this is bringing me back to my childhood. I mean, New York is, it's different. I live down in in Northern Virginia now, but New York is kind of tough and grimy and I'm wearing my Doc Martens. So I'm, I got my New York look going. Uh, but it, it's a, it's a. It, this is a different place here. I think I've definitely parked illegally outside. I hope my truck doesn't get towed.
0: Wow. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's so different. And I, as I frequently remind my uh, my mom when I see her that like, you know, you remember when you used to leave me in the car while you'd go to the grocery uh, <laughs> yeah, go grocery like, shopping. With the windows rolled up. Yeah, you get yeah. arrested for that these days. They totally. throw you. They throw you in the clink for that.
2: But it's uh, but yeah, you know, and and the other thing too is that uh, even DC traffic's tough. But this is I was I drove from Queens to Brooklyn yesterday. It was a ten mile drive took me fifty five minutes.
0: Oh God,
2: the traffic here is killing this me. Is, so this is see? a subway
0: city. I know, I know. You I, but, I, but I drove. Can't drive. Um, well, um, but D- it's a. He's driver. It's,
2: brutal. It's, <laughs> it's good to be here. I think that you know the key thing was that I, I did have some good Italian food last night, um, and I this morning. I, as I as I was uh, kind of going back and forth on Twitter with you, I went off to get a good New York City bagel. That's awesome. So. Had to do it.
0: Uh, are you working on any other book projects? So that's a, uh, what a great question.
2: So I'm not sure. So I have something in mind, um, but but really, when you write a book and you know this, like I, I got to give it more time to promote this one. Um, so I'm going all around the country doing tons of you know speaking uh, engagements. Well, just it's also going to take
0: was, you a year to write the book, and right? then it's going to take another year for it to get published. Yeah. So you got some time.
2: I don't. You know, there's there's a there, you know there's a side of me that that you know I, this it's not a memoir. So it's a book on leadership. Um, so what's next? You know, what else do I do? I don't want to really write about myself anymore. I think writing fiction is hard. I don't know if I'd be I'd be good at that. You know, I I, I have I've kind of made some friends who are authors, and I think that's a that's a different bear. It's a it's a
0: yeah, whole, yeah. totally different skill.
2: Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna and, and I'm really gonna stick with this and just kind of the you know talking leadership. It's really a passion of mine, um, and and we'll see what goes from there. You know the 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 other part too, and I, I think you, you you must remember this. I mean. You know, the publishing industry is not easy. Um, I think one in 100 books makes money. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, while my publisher, HarperCollins, was very good to me for a while, you know, ultimately, you know, uh, you know the, the, kind of the, the, the PR stuff, um, you know, at, after several months that goes away and you're caught kind of off on your own. So I, I really am doing this a lot on my own now, obviously trying to, you know, go out and I, I still do kind of book events all over the country and, and certainly leadership talks, but it's humbling. So I, you know, I did a talk in Dallas uh, two weeks ago. It was, uh, actually, in Fort, one in Dallas, one in Fort Worth. Fort Worth was packed. A hundred people, sold a ton of books. It was amazing. But then, you know, a couple weeks earlier, I did a Northern Virginia event. And, and you know, for, I was there at a bookstore for an hour, and two people came. And that's humbling. I'm sitting there, and you know, and so you just never know. And so the, the kind of the, this whole book thing is, uh, you, you got to have a sense of humility. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, you know, you, you have some great events, and then sometimes there's, there's people don't show up, and that's okay, and you got to kind of, pick yourself up and you still say, okay, I know, I know the book's good. I know I can do this, but you know, I guess today just, you know, no one decided to show up. My, my <laughs> so. favorite
0: was speaking. And I'm sure you must have these when you're speaking um, to your former colleagues and friends. But uh, I did one event with the special forces association and another at the army Navy club in DC. And um, you know, those are the audiences where like you, you're not going to get away with a bunch of bullshit no. war stories, right? Yep. They're looking at you. Oh, really, Jack? Is yeah. that how that happened? Huh?
2: <laughs> no, it's and that, that's true. I mean, definitely, you definitely tailor it for your for your audience. And sometimes those audiences, you know, that's that's where I, I you know you got to be on your game for that um, because, because they, the, yeah, they'll the, call because BS the, right que- away. the questions are on point, you know. Yep.
0: But I, I like talking to those audiences and sure.
2: Um, and and you know the 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 one of the things for me, which has been really rewarding, and, and again, you see, you kind of never know. But I, I I did a book event um in Northern Virginia, and I had a couple former agency officers. Um, who worked for me in the past, and they came, uh, and this was actually really cool, and so my family was there. And my son was was kind of helping me out sometimes he, you know they, they come along and, and one of these uh, he 's a, he's a, he's still in the agency now um, and he 's been a, you know station chief multiple times, so he he came to the event and he took my son aside and he said, "Hey, you know, I really like Mark book, and by the way you know, he, was, he was the best leader I ever had, and he taught me so much, um, and he really taught me about all the things you know all those principles about overcoming adversity like that really is what um, you know what got through to me, and that's what I practice now, and uh, and that that to me kind of made it all kind of worthwhile because you know this is this is. You know, he's someone who worked for me, but in a sense, it's a peer. Um, and if you can pass the torch to the next generation, like that to me is is the most rewarding thing. And
0: did your son for so many years think you were just some dweeb diplomat? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah.
2: Although, although it's really funny that, you know, at, at one point we caught a flight back home from the Middle East on the, on the director's aircraft. So it's a, it's a C-17, but they, you know, they slide in a VIP pod. Um, and I think, it, and, and I think it, and my, my kids were probably, you know, 10 or 11 years old and then they're kind of scratching their heads, like this is not normal. Like, why are we flying back on this, you know, uh, on this Air Force plane when there's all these, you know, security folks there? And um, and then another time, I, I think they really they really uh, uh, figured it out when um, it was actually it was Mike Morrell. Uh, he was acting director, um, and my wife was his executive assistant. My wife's a case officer too. She just she she's, she just retired, but she was his EA at the time. Um, and I, I texted him. I said, Hey, come over watch a hockey game. Come over watch a, a Caps game. So enrolled, you know, two suburbans full of, of the protective detail, um, you know, lights flashing, and, then you know, they pull into my driveway, and my son and my daughter are like, what is going on? Like, this is not what State Department people do. And so when we finally told them, my wife and I, they were like, we knew. No, whatever. Uh, but, it, you know, the, the stuff with kids is cool because um, you don't realize this, but it turns out, you know, they, were, they actually were really proud of what both my wife and I did um, just in terms of public service and kind of defending the country. And so... Um you know they're super supportive of us of us they're super defensive you know when you know look, if you're in the public eye some people don't like what I have to sure. say and they get sure. and my 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 kids get pissed and uh but I think they're they're really proud I don't think they're going to do the same line of work I think that um you know they enjoyed kind of growing up and living in, in the Middle East but but I think they uh, uh they also kind of saw the toll uh, you know that it took yeah. on me and so I think they they might go a different
0: route. And so, sometimes we hear from viewers, and I get a lot of emails from people who are thinking about governmental service, yeah. and uh, I'd always try to remind people, too, like, there's all sorts of different ways they serve their country. Oh, absolutely. You don't have to be a, a, a you know snake eater. You don't have right. to be a, a case officer. You don't have right. to. There's all sorts of different things. You can go and be a, into diplomacy. You can be an imagery analyst. Right. I mean, there's all tons. You can be a
2: firefighter or a cop. You can do yeah. local stuff. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. You know, I think... Um, but the, what what always motivated me was kind of doing something for for the kind of the public good. I mean, I just you know, look, I, I you know, I I went to uh, got my undergraduate and graduate degrees uh, at Cornell um it's probably like you're some of your you know columbia brothers and sisters like a lot of my friends from college have made a lot of money <laughs> that i have not <laughs> certainly not in my job and not selling a book
0: that's why you need um, to go to hollywood now. that's right
2: um but i mean they are you know they are they, they made tons of money but it, but you know the, the i was just never motivated by that yeah um, and so it you can't just, get out of
0: bed for it you know
2: i i, I really you know and and i've, I've had my kind of uh, arguments with the agency, um, particularly, and we'll, maybe we'll talk about it later in terms of healthcare and some of the yeah, you know, yeah. health stuff that I've gone through. Um, but I really believe in the place and I, and I, and I, I don't regret having done, uh, you know, having, you know, having, having service intelligence officer. And so, you know, again, it was, it was, I, you know, every day is a, it was an exciting day. I and it's not like, I mean, it's overseas. You, you're kind of pretty pumped all the time I'm serving at headquarters. It's not all that great battling traffic, but you know, just a fascinating job. You know, you're doing the right thing. I always would talk about, you know, you open the front page of the, you know, the the Washington Post or the New York Times, um, and really, uh, the, all the all the you know the stuff, the international events, you know, are, are things that we contribute to. And sometimes you witness history, sometimes you make history, I and mean, that's the stuff that I, I you know, I, I, whether it was Iraq or Afghanistan or Syria or so many places, um, where you know I, I would have to pinch myself sometimes that you know that we were involved in this, and that's what you want to do. You know, you, it's. So it's and, and you can be on the tip of the spear in so many different ways. You can be in you know USAID yeah. um, or the State Department or the Peace Corps or anything like that. But but ultimately um, it's the idea that you're kind of helping your country, and that always that motivated me so much. It Sounds corny, but it, it's uh, that's that's the way I tick. That's, that's what makes me tick, at least.
0: Oh, it is it's yeah. exciting. Uh, I wanted to hit you up too about all this stuff with the what's come to be known as the Havana Syndrome. Sure. Um, you talked about it the first interview we did. Um, do you want to like? Give, like, the, the, the elevator pitch, I guess, or the, uh, I mean, the in, in brief, you know, what happened to you sure. in Moscow so people who are just seeing this for the first right. time understand what happened?
2: So it was uh, it was uh, in December 2017. I, at the time, I was the deputy operations chief for, again, the, the, what we call the Europe and Eurasia Mission Center. Um, I had been a career, you know, officer in, in the Near East in, in counterterrorism. They moved a whole bunch of us over to do kind of Russia, frankly, in a pushback against Russia after the Russian election interference in 2016. And so I was put in a pretty senior position and I needed to go to Moscow for what's simply called area fam, area familiarization. Um, I went out there to see, obviously, you know, the embassy, um, we had an ambassador there, John Huntsman, who was this kind of career uh, or not career was a, a career, you know, uh, public servant in a sense, he was governor um, of Utah, and he was ambassador in Beijing and then ambassador in, uh, in Moscow. Um, and I was there to meet kind of my Russian counterparts, which is kind of strange, but but is what we do. You know, the CIA and and KGB. So this, this
0: is above board. It's not yeah. covert. You're Nothing going. Covert it's like a all. liaison. It's a business trip,
2: right? It's a boring business trip. I was I was, you know, semi excited to go because I had never been to Russia. Um, but it's not operational, you know, there, there's, I mean, it's, it is, it is, there's no stress involved whatsoever. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're staying at a nice hotel and you're gonna have some meetings and I'm just going to go to Moscow and St. Petersburg and St. Petersburg is, is, you know, is a a beautiful city. And so, um, I was, I was, you know, I was excited to go on the first couple nights of the trip. uh, Well, let me just preface that the Russians didn't want me to go. It was interesting. So I was, it was myself and and another officer. Um, and they started right before the trip, they started asking like, why, you know, why are you coming here? Um, why Mark? And now, of course, they knew me from the past, from the, the spy wars of all my time in the Middle East. Um, uh, and, and but, you know, and they, they started making some accusations saying that, you know, is this, you know, why are you coming here? Is this trip operational? And our response was, that's insane. You, I'm a senior agency officer. I'm coming. I'm coming to meet you.
0: They thought you were coming to, like, pitch somebody or something.
2: <coughs> that, that's so far fetched. I mean, it, 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 it defies, you know, credulity. And so so but they, they ultimately allowed us to come. On the second or third night, I can't remember what it was in, in December two thousand seventeen. You know, it was something it was something awful happened. You know, I woke up in the middle of the night um, with a with a stunning case of vertigo. You know, terrible headache, uh, tinnitus, which is you know ringing in my ears. Um, you know, felt physically sick, but but it was the, it was the vertigo, and I was it was pretty terrifying. And again, I was, you know I spent a lot of time in Iraq, Afghanistan, you know, other places, been shot at plenty of times. Um, this was the scariest moment because I just had a total loss of control. Um, and it started on this kind of awful health journey, which I have even till today, where I've you know I have migraine. I've had a migraine for four years every day. I still have one now. I've just learned to live with it. Um, probably would feel better if I had a bourbon, but I got to drive back. Uh, Dee's Dee's getting some uh, bottles out now. Uh, no, we're not going to do that. Um, but but ultimately, you know, uh, uh, you know something terrible happened to me that night in, in Moscow. Um, uh, now, when I, I came back and I you know kind of engaged in a bit of a uh, back and forth, a bit of a battle with the CIA's medical staff. Um, who didn't believe at first something happened to me? I didn't look like um, uh, what uh, what had occurred to some officials from the u.s. embassy in Havana in 2016. 2016. did
0: it be, when did you become aware that this wasn't a singular thing that had right. happened to you that there were other people who were experiencing? This? so so
2: look so this is in December two thousand seventeen. in two thousand and sixteen, the u.s embassy officials um, uh, in Havana, Cuba you know were subject to this you know, what was called Havana syndrome and and, I, I, and there there are you know in far greater numbers twenty thirty. Um, uh, U.S. officials. Um, so, so I was aware of that, but I wasn't thinking about it at right. all. Um, but ultimately, when I came back and I started, you know, trying to get medical care, and they said I didn't look like them. The symptoms they thought were were a bit off. I think they've changed their mind on that now. Um, but ultimately, uh, you know, I couldn't. So, so I started this this path of of trying to deal with the agency doctors. Um, the H.D. medical staff they kind of refused to put me in with the same you know group from Havana which would have meant that I would have gone to certain facilities that were treating our uh, uh, our, our, our officers our, our US, U.S. officials which was at the time the University of Pennsylvania University of Miami and University of Pennsylvania um, where they were where they were really providing care um, and so I had to go off on my own and I started this you know awful journey of seeing you know you know tens of doctors everything from Obviously, neurologists, but infectious disease specialists, allergists and went on and on. I had tons of different treatments, all sorts of steroid shots. I mean, it just it was this kind of a, a life of of, of misery. Um, uh, and and ultimately, uh, you know, it got to the point where I couldn't actually go to um, go to work. And so, you know, starting when I came back, you know, in 2018 onwards, I ended up retiring in, in July of uh, 2019. But but even in that really senior position, um, I could only go to work for two or three hours a day because of the headaches. Um, uh, you know, and, and, because of the brain fog at one point, you know, I was losing my cognitive, uh, you know, abilities. I couldn't drive. I lost my long distance vision. Um, it came back after a Jesus. while, but you know, it was, it truly so I mean, it caused me to retire. And at the, at the time I was, in, you know, I was in the senior intelligence service. I was, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, obviously I, I, I had done quite well in my career and I think they were, there were certainly thoughts of me going even higher. Um, at least my, you know, and my you, bosses, you, you
0: weren't ready to retire.
2: No, I was a lot more left in the tank. Um, but I had to retire in, in, in July of 2019. Now, interestingly, as I was retiring, some of my other colleagues and friends, frankly, people I knew, started coming back from the field with the same symptoms.
0: What was their experience like? Did they, were they getting hit in hotel rooms yep. like you did?
2: Yes. Really? Um, very similar. And so, that, and, and, and so that to me was, you know, because you had what happened in 2016 in Havana, you happened to, what happened to me in December of 2017 in Moscow, but by mid-2019, it started happening to others, and as I was walking out the door and retiring, I saw that some of my, my, my colleagues and friends um, were getting were getting you know pretty severely affected by this. and And make no mistake, this is not something that you bounce back from. Um, you know this. You know it, 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 there is an enormous recovery time. Um, and in 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 effect, you know when I got to Walter finally when I finally got to Walter Reed's um, National Intrepid Center of Excellence, which is their traumatic brain injury program, I was diagnosed by Walter Reed with a TBI. Um, based on based on what they called an external exposure event, so all of a sudden now you know there's doctors. This is getting real. They believe us, um, uh, and uh, and and certainly you know you know things started changing, particularly in the medical community. Um, you know that that's
3: something really did happen.
0: Guys, if you have questions for Mark, please get them in.
3: Um, Isaac, Isaac has a question. A long uh, patron. It's
0: on the Patreon if you have it set up. Oh, okay. I'll get in there in a second. Right, um, so. Mark, what is um? They they have come to accept that this is happening to guys. Um, how are they treating it? Because it, right, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but no one's really sure what the hell this is, right?
2: So, so there's a couple things. So, you know, we now have multiple medical facilities in the United States um, that have treated you know uh, U.S. officials. Um, you know, University of Miami, University of Pennsylvania, um, Johns Hopkins now is accepting you know uh, our officers as well as Walter Reed's uh, traumatic brain injury program. Um, and and in essence, you know, they are they are treating us as if we we suffered a. And in my case, you know, it, it was it was diagnosed a traumatic brain injury. And so, what does that mean? Um, well, there's lots of different ways to treat this. There's kind of the pharmaceutical option. There's there's a you know big for headaches. Um, you know, there is there's been a long history of using kind of classic antidepressants, frankly, to help for migraine headaches. And I have not had success from that. Others really have um there's physical therapy uh that you can do and then there's things like you know like obviously nutrition um kind of classic wellness stuff i mean you know you want to see kind of funny things it's not really funny but it's you know a whole bunch of myself and a whole bunch of navy seals or or you know air force special operators like doing yoga every morning at walter reed like that stuff helps deep breathing techniques um there's you know there's sleep hygiene you know 50% of tbi victims um develop sleep apnea yeah and i have it and i, I did when i was tested there so here's, so i go to the sleep lab at nico and they take my blood pressure; it's 170 over 100, and they're like, "Holy shit!" And then they do I do the sleep apnea test, and I'm off the charts. So I have what's called a CPAP. You know, I look like a B1 pilot when I, you know, when I sleep now. Um, but but it that that immediately you know has changed my life, um, where now I you know that my sleep hygiene is really good. So there's there's things you do. Obviously, there's you know you know I see psychiatrists and psychologists, but there's there is a set kind of program for TBI. Victims, I think that has been really helpful for, for, you know, those of us who are kind of uh, victims of, of, you call it an anomalous health incident, Havana syndrome, whatever. Um, but it's a slow process. Like, you know, I'm way better than I was, you know, uh, a year ago, but I still got a headache right now. Um, and so it's, you know, it takes a long time to recover. Now something happened. So it's, there's an external exposure event to something. There's a theory on this that it was, a, you know, directed energy. I'm not a, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. i I think a lot of people, you know, do believe that, but we just, you know, it takes, it's going to take some more kind of investigation.
0: Have you heard anything with, since they started taking this a little more seriously in the last couple of years, the agency, from what I've read, they stood up sort of like a task right. force to look into this and to try to unpack and figure out right. what's going on. I mean, have you heard anything about what, why people are being targeted, who's behind it right. what the technology is so
2: i think there's there's you know you, it, it, we have to be you know again and this is not a criticism of the media but but you know there, there's there's so many stories and like i sometimes i contribute to this by by making comments about it uh, but so many stories on what's happening so, so there's a couple of things there's there's a panel of experts that the response to that would be keep looking i mean it, they've been at it for seven months right. You know, it took us 10 years to find you know uh, uh, the most wandered man on the planet who's living in you know uh, right outside uh, what pakistan 's version of West Point, so you know it 's okay like we 're seven months into this, so we don 't know who is doing this um, they 're not even sure what it is. they know people have effects that look like they 've been subject to a directed energy attack, um, and we' just got to kind of keep on going and The only thing I would urge is just is patience and cause, because ultimately you know it, and it's, i think it 's been really interesting when when myself and some others have gone and we 've testified on Capitol Hill, both to the Senate and the house and this is this is the right mechanism to do it it 's not to kind of to to kind of uh, uh, you know talk about this in great detail in the media. This is okay what we're doing now, but I'm talking about testifying in front of the House mm-hmm, and the Senate mm-hmm. Intelligence Committees in great detail. That's the right forum. It's a classified forum. But when senators and, and congressmen and congresswomen come out after seeing a victim, and I look, I'm, 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 I'm in pretty good shape, but they see some of the others um, who've been medically retired, um, who can't walk, who, who have, you know, who have, some have gone, you know, legally blind. Um, it's pretty compelling. And it's, it's really hard to say, well, you're, you know, you know, you were a you were a tip of the spear case officer, you know, from Havana, um, or from a European country, or from Moscow, or whatever. Um, and now your life has essentially, you know, been derailed. Um, that you you had a, a you know you're you're kind of uh, had a psychogenic attack, or this is this was mass hysteria. It's not something happened. We just got to get to the bottom of it. This is to me, this is you know, the U.S. government has been um, at best incompetent in responding to this. But you know what? Think about what happened after Agent Orange. -hmm. After Gulf War syndrome, after burn pits, there's, there's, you know, bad things happen sometimes. It takes us a long time to, you know, to accept it, Um, uh, and the science has to come around, the investigation. But I kind of put it in that, in in those bins, Uh, and 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 because you know, people really have been injured by this. And there's, there's, if you meet victims from this, you're not going to walk away thinking they kind of they made it all up. It
0: it strikes me that this is a way to take people. Take chess pieces off the board and doing it without an assassination. Yeah, and hybrid warfare. No clear. There's no. There's no murder weapon that we can identify. We can't identify the weapon. We can't identify the actor behind it. But it's a way to take intelligence officers off the out of the field.
2: So it's. I mean, I I hate to use the word brilliant, but you know, but it it is a brilliant technique, weapon, tactic, whatever this is. It's done several things. It it, it has you know, it's taken someone off the playing field um it's very hard to find attribution uh uh and ultimately it's sowed incredible dissension you know even within the u.s government i mean people still argue about whether this is real or not um there are there are elements within the agency who don't believe this um there are a whole bunch of elements within the agency that that do believe it and a lot of others you know, particularly in dod it's interesting to me that that dod has really kind of led the way in in accepting that something bad has happened oh really you know and 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 and, and well, you know, I, I think that it was it was telling to me, I was at Walter Reed's, um, you know, the TBI program, um, it's located in a certain building in Walter Reed, but I had to go across the street um, for some physical therapy, and I'll just, as an aside, if you ever want to be humbled, you know, go to the PT clinic at Walter Reed, and, you know, whether you see amputee, double yeah. amputees, I mean, it's, you know, it, it, I was in tears you know, every time I went over there, um, but I sat down with one of the, the specialists, and I said, I said, hey, from, I'm, a, I'm a, from across the street over at NyCo at the TBI clinic, um, you know, I'm one of the... Folks who had kind of, the, and it's, it's it's even hard to talk about. I said, one of the, you know, been a victim of Havana syndrome, and and she said to me, she goes, oh, I've seen a whole bunch of your folks, of you folks, and I said, well, that's not possible. I'm only I'm the only second person who's been here, and she said, no, you're not. There's a whole bunch of DOD folks who've been here for this oh, in the no past, shit. right? Wow, and that's what I said, and I, and then she saw the look on my face, and I said, hey, can you tell me more about that? And then she said, I can't, because of you know, because of. patient privilege but clearly DOD has had experience with this in the past and one of the interesting things is is I
0: I wonder if it's our intel guys or our JSOC guys or who's being it would be interesting to find out who's being targeted
2: (laughs) well well here's here's you know if if, and and there's a lot of stuff in open source research but it was about um maybe a year or so ago um you know and 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 bids for contracts are always put out in public well JSOC put out a bid for a body worn device that would detect directed Mm -hmm. energy so if, if JSOC is, it actually wants operators to wear this, that means it's serious.
0: Something's happening. Yep.
2: Um, and so there's no doubt in my mind that DOD has had a, a, you know uh, experience in this. Um, and so, you know, again, it's, it's it, one of the things that we haven't had is a whole-government approach. Um, you saw recently that the CIA put out an interim report, which got it was, it caused all sorts of controversy. Yeah. And then later on, the DNI put out a report from the experts panel that seemed to contradict this. Well, all this is kind of messy, you know, it's, and, and you're, you're watching the sausage being made, which is right. not pleasant. What you need is a whole-of-government approach. We need a coordinator, and I think we have one now at, at, you know, after this kind of mess, but a coordinator at the National Security Council who's actually going to put all the agencies together. And so you're going to marry up what DOD is doing with what state is doing with what CIA is doing. But to me, you know, the answer to this lies in DOD. Um, there's, there's no doubt. Uh, because they also have expertise in kind of unconventional weapons programs. Right.
0: And if we're, if we're to follow this kind of thesis through, I'm kind of curious, like, why would the Russians buzz, like, the entire U.S. embassy in Havana? Is, do you think that's just because they were pissed off that we we're normalizing yep, relations? Yeah,
2: 100%. I mean, that, to me, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, and it caused us to evacuate, the, you know, to close the embassy, in essence. And so that, to me, you know, uh, uh, is, is, you You know, think
0: that shows a sort of political intelligence behind what's being done?
2: Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I, I guess there's a, that, that's a solid explanation there. Now, why are there attacks at other places around the world? I don't know. You know, and, and the other thing, too, that, that would, you know, would concern me is, um, you know, what is their target selection, if it is an adversary doing this, and, and why? Now, you know, the, the agency came out in the interim report and said something to the extent of, you know, they don't see any kind of patterns. Um, yet a whole bunch of my friends who all involved in Russian operations did get hit. And so, to me, you know, that's, that's, uh, that, that, is, that is pretty significant. And so, look, the other thing is you know, directed energy weapons is nothing new. The Russians have had a long, extensive program. There is, oh, they, have, they have published papers in the open source on this. Um, I, you know, sometimes, you know, myself and some others, you know, tweet this out every once in a while just to remind the public and the intelligence community that the Russians have a program. Now, we're not saying they did this. I think they did, but that's just me based on I'm not in government anymore. Um, but, but countries have these directed energy, uh, weapons programs. And so I think that I, I, I would imagine there's going to be a lot of focus on that going forward, whether it's, you know, Russia or China or Iran or other states that, that do that. And we have it as well. We have them.
0: What, what do you make of the reports of people getting zapped, like right in Washington, DC, like walking around, walking around right. to, you know, the Lincoln Memorial. And-
2: so, you know, so I have to be re- really careful on this because the one thing that, that happened with me is that, you know, people, you know, when I kind of, you know, came out because I was, in essence, begging for health care, you know, that that people kind of dismissed me. So I I don't want to be dismissive of others. And so, you know, my kind of response on that is, you know, and I've talked to some of these officials, you know, from the National Security Council and others who've been hit. The symptoms they have are very similar, you know, and that's, you know, and they are hurting. You know, they have, you know, they have taken enormous career hits and they're getting medical attention. So I think you just have to, you know, show some empathy. Um, you know, you know, uh, I, there, there is, you know, uh, it, it's, it's hard to imagine um, that, you know, that adversaries are running around the United States in great numbers, um, doing this. But it's also, we, we also had a history of Russian intelligence operations on U.S. soil as well. So you just don't know. Um, I just, I don't like dismissing folks' claims. Yeah. Um, no, no not
0: neither would I. I mean, I want to follow wherever the evidence leads yeah. us um, on that. But I, I mean. You'd think this would has this technology really been miniaturized to the point that you can do something like that? Like right. there, there, there isn't like a huge panel van yeah, nearby. Yeah, like right. How? I mean, I,
2: I I hear you. I don't know. Yeah. Um. Uh, and and you know, the, the, like I I sometimes as I was, as I'm talking on this stuff, like because uh, there's no doubt in my mind that something happened to me in Moscow. So so you know, I'm very confident of saying that I was I I emerged a different person and had to retire. Um, you know, was it, was it a directed energy attack? Was it poison? But I don't know, but something happened that changed the course of my life. Um, so I'm really confident, uh, uh on that. Uh, uh, but then sometimes when we start talking about these attacks on kind of a bigger scale or in the United States, you know, and, and, and I, and I want to show empathy, you know, for, for the victims, you know, then I, I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm one of the folks like chasing UFOs. Like it starts sounding like a crazy person. And that's, but that's, you know, I, I don't want to be that. Um, I don't want to kind of you know charge that there's this you know kind of mass campaign um, that's affected thousands of people, but you know as the as the 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 experts panel from the DNI said there are there are several dozen cases that are unexplained um, uh, that that it's, it, it is entirely plausible to them and, and likely that it was a directed energy attack on our officers and so I just have to kind of kind of go with that.
4: Yeah,
0: I I don't want to paint anyone as being quote unquote crazy, right? right. Um, there is, I think, going to be a point where this starts to overlap with the conspiracy theorist, which Absolutely. is which is what the danger is. Yep. Like, are you familiar with uh, gang stalking? No. These people have been around since like the '70s or '80s, um, but there are people. I, I think most of them have some form of schizophrenia. And they believe that they are. They call themselves TIs, targeted individuals. Oh, that's right. And they believe the NSA oh, is yeah, following yeah, them yeah. around. No, they hit me up
2: on Twitter and uh, blasting no, yep. them,
0: blasting them with directed energy. I, they, yeah, they inbox me too yep. because they think I know something about it. Right. And it's um, the New York Times actually did a very interesting story on them maybe like five years ago, talking about because of the internet, all of these people have been able to meet each other and form like, sort of like group self-help kind of yep. things where they all come together and now it becomes a sort of mutually assuring delusion because yes. they're all convincing one another right. that this is, this is happening. No, I get,
2: right. I get letters to my house. I get phone calls on my home phone. Oh, so no, man. no, I, I do know. And that's, you know, that's the danger of this. I, I, I certainly get it. Um, and, and, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't even like the role of, you know, I, I love talking about my book, talking about foreign affairs because we talk about this. I don't, you know, end up kind of playing the role of a professional victim. Um, not what I want to be remembered for sure sure um uh, and so you know, and and with that said, you know so i I sympathize with the intelligence community for the following reasons, so you know they didn 't take this seriously for a long time, um then we had a kind of a spate of attacks uh uh which which I think these are the core ones that are still unexplained then what um the u s government did in good intentions, but what was inevitably the wrong move was was basically announced to our overseas personnel, if, if you are not feeling well, if you have a headache, you know, write in and tell us. So if you read the press reports, you know, and, and if they're accurate, then then there were 1,000 cases of this right. um, worldwide. Well, we, that, that is, that's a self-inflicted wound. So what, the, what we have now done is we've solved most of those, you know, 99% of those cases, which was generated by our data call, in essence, and we're back to this core group of several dozen that are unexplained, um, uh, you know. Uh, and so, so I, I, you know, I sympathize a bit because they had to kind of cull through the data. Yeah. Um, but now we're back to kind of square one. So, you know, what I kind of, the, the way I, I leave this now is, you know, in the last eight months, we actually haven't gotten anywhere. Um, now, now they, you know, they say that they can't find attribution. Okay. Um, but ultimately, we're still down to you know uh, several dozen cases. By the way, if you're talking 30 cases, that's extraordinary. Um, where people are injured are being treated in, in U.S. medical facilities, and where doctors say they were subject to something, um, that's pretty extraordinary. Yeah. Uh, uh, and so um, you know the whole thing has been kind of kind of messy to deal with. It's fought in the media all the time. Um, you know the headlines are always coming out. It sounds like it seems like there's whiplash sometimes that this is all this is all made up. No, this is real. Um, and ultimately, I would just again just you know urge patience. Um, we'll get to the bottom of this. You know, the U.S. government as a whole, not the CIA, but the U.S. government, which means DoD, it means the CIA, you know, it means DoD, the intelligence community, it means our national labs, it means academics and researchers, it means open source um, uh, uh, entities as well. I mean, look what Bellingcat has done, you know, over the years to to uncover kind of Russian malfeasance all over the world, and so. You know, um, there's going to be data out there that has to be collected, and, and at some point we'll get to the bottom of this.
0: We definitely haven't heard the last word on it. Yeah. Um, let me hit up a few questions here. Uh, Isaac asks, Mark, I'm almost 29. I just started university. I'm majoring in information systems, and I want to get a master's in cybersecurity. I want to one day join the, an agency, but I feel like the older I get, the more my chances demur. I want to be like Batman and Snake, but I wasn't <laughs> able to join the military, so I hope... Whenever I get my master's, people will look past my flaws, but want to do. I, I but want can I do what? What can I do to increase my chances? Because I want to do cyber and paramilitary, but I'm afraid I'll never get to live my dream. So, what should I do to increase my chances? I guess sure. of joining the. Agency? No,
2: and it's you know it's a it's it's a great question. I get I get asked all the time. One of the things the things I really have fun to do is I go and I talk to colleges. Um, and it's, it's not just my leadership talk. I'll go talk to them about the intelligence community because one of the things I found most rewarding was kind of, again, passing the torch to the next generation. So college kids ask me all the time, um, uh, you know, what should I do uh, to, to better my chances? You know, what what should I study? What's my degree? And my response is, is pretty basic. One is um, it doesn't matter. You know, study whatever you want to study. Now, if you want to get into cybersecurity, go, you know, go get that degree or undergraduate or master's. Science, computer yeah. science, that's great. But to go into the intelligence uh, uh, community, and really I'm talking about the operational side, I'm not talking about the analytic side, um, you, know, you, get, you get a leg up if you learn a foreign language and a hard-target language, and that means you know, it's, it's Russian, Chinese, Farsi, Arabic, Korean. Learn one of those five languages, and you can have a degree in, in nothing, um, and you will get put to the top of the pile, period. That's what we need. Um, and then you have to have just that kind of intangible, which is you know, this curiosity for the world. Um, you know, so and I, and I tell people all the time. I said, you know, if you want to live in America, you're going to join join the FBI. Um, if you like foreign cultures and people and food and religion and have this curiosity, you know, being a, you know, a CIA officer is is a is a really neat thing. But guess what? You're not hanging out with Americans. Like I don't I don't want you comfortable on a U.S. military base or mm-hmm. at or an embassy. Mm-hmm. You got to be hanging on the street with the you know with the Shabab, you know the, the kind of you know the uh, uh, you know with 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 kind of folks in the Middle East. Um, uh, you know, you got to be comfortable taking taxis, and 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 just you know, in you know, you know, kind of immersing yourself in different cultures and having that curiosity. And so, my response would be, um, you know, study whatever you want, um, but that kind of that that kind of learning a foreign language um, is absolutely critical.
0: The agency is also, correct me if I'm wrong, like increasingly interested in recruiting people who don't look like me and you. That's right.
2: Yep. And, you know, and I don't so, mean in a
0: negative set. No, I mean or, for, uh, uh, for very practical right.
2: reasons. No, so right. this is going to be a fun conversation about the wokeness of, of the agency. <laughs> it drives me nuts because – so the agency put out this, this video, which everyone went crazy over, um, that it was – you know they, they thought it was too woke. And that it that, that annoys me because of the following. Um, diversity is an operational advantage in operations as a case officer, because, you know, again, so if I'm sitting in the middle East somewhere, um, I don't want someone like me or you, uh, uh, I want someone who's not going to get what, not going to get caught (laughs) because your job is to meet an agent clandestinely. So if, if you don't look like an American, um, you know, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a hell of a lot easier. I loved in every station that I ever was managing, um, uh, and at oversight over operations, you know, uh, particularly in the Middle East, to use female operations officers. Um, and I, I tell a great story in the book of we had a female officer out on, an, on a surveillance detection route, and by chance, you know, she was spotted. And we got We later on, through a penetration, we got a report saying that, hey, we, the host service, saw X, Y, and Z, this this female officer, and what they believe was a surveillance detection run. And because of that, let's put surveillance on her husband, because she could never be a spy, because she's a girl. <laughs> and, you know, so that's how we win. Um you know, I, I, I remember uh, uh, years and years ago in one of the stations uh, in the Middle East, we had a, a case officer who was Filipino national, it was a Filipino-American. He was invisible. You know, so Filipinos in the Middle East are not treated well.
0: Yeah, because they're like...
2: they the, the domestic servants. servants and stuff like that. This guy could go anywhere <laughs>
0: at any time. <laughs> With a mop in his hand and, and no one happened. would look twice. But,
2: because, because, you know, so, so diversity is our operational advantage. It's how we win. It's not being woke it's it's how we actually did you know the,
0: that, that the, commercial you know, they did was a little over the
2: top it's totally over no. but you know and but you know what i what i don't like is then you have kind of the old guard like saying like oh my god you know this is the end of civilization
0: <laughs> yeah that's um, that's also a little over the top it's
2: over the top but again i loved having uh you know yeah. uh, diversity in our officer corps because again as you tailor operations you do it for one thing you do it so you don't get caught that's how that's how we win and, and you know it's and it, what's interesting is, is, you know, as in, in, in the intelligence business, particularly if you're kind of serving in a denied area, like that's the only thing you got. So the host country is gonna kind of treat you like shit all the time. You know, they're gonna they're gonna break into your house. They're gonna, you know, take a dump or, or take a piss in, in your toilet. They're gonna leave it. Or they're gonna take a dump in the middle of your you know your living room. Um, they turn your stereo up super loud. I mean, you know, I remember in one posting I came in. You know, middle of winter, all of our windows were open everywhere. Stuff's trashed. Um so, so you, you know so so, as we're subject to that, if we know in the back of our minds, hey, you know what, we're kicking their ass clandestinely all the time, um you know that that's a tremendous feeling, and you do that from having a diverse workforce, kind of, kind of
0: simple as that and the conventional thinking I think a lot of people have is like you can't send a woman to the Middle East. it's a male dominated culture,
2: right? Well, guess what, you know, first of all, um, uh, there you know, that, that's not true. Um, there's two things on that. One, again, is is kind of operationally going out in the street. But number two, uh, well, I'm not going to get in trouble on this. But it's what it's what I believed is is we. Uh, some of the best handlers of our Arab agents were, were female officers. Now, why is that? Um, uh, and let me just let me preface this that my my wife is Lebanese. You know, she's you know, uh, uh, and so um, I married an Arab, so I can say these things sometimes. But but there is a really interesting dynamic in the Arab world between. Between you know the, a female, a mom, a mother, and their and their and their their son,
4: mm-hmm, and mm-hmm.
2: so if you can and, and 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 the respect that an Arab male has for for the mother figure is extraordinary. If you can replicate that in running operations, you have a female officer who has an incredible amount of control over an Arab, an Arab you know a male agent. Sometimes
0: are the Arab men more willing to divulge to a woman yeah, for that that's reason? Right, yeah
2: and so and and so you know these are kind of the things that I would think about as we're, as we're kind of trying to tailoring operations, or we have you know we have a pool of agents, or I have to figure out who's going to handle this source uh, well you know maybe the most difficult agent um, should be handled by someone if you can replicate that that dynamic that father uh, sorry that mother son dynamic and so uh, again it's it, it's for our operational advantage that's it it's that's super how we were interesting yeah and, 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 and I love that kind of stuff too and and there's nothing better than. Um, than watching, you know, someone who doesn't look like an American but who is a great patriot <laughs> just kicking the shit out of another service just because based on their prejudices. You know, and that's that happened all the time.
0: That was um, very much the case when we interviewed, um, where's her book? I have it over here somewhere, but Marty Peterson, um, when I interviewed her... right. And this this was like 1975 in, in Moscow, Moscow. Yeah. yeah. That's right. And they were like, "No fucking way is yep, a woman yep. a CIA case That's officer." That's right. Yep. And they, she was invisible to them. So bring it, You love yeah. that. And you can replicate that across the
2: board, you know, it, because because you know, again, and and you know, the, a lot of these third world countries have you know just kind of deeply ingrained prejudices, um, uh, if male dominated or whatever, if race, religion, just you know, it just doesn't matter. But if we can put people out in the street who don't get caught, who can handle folks, you know. In a particular way, that's that's how we win.
0: Uh, Mitch asks, "This is an interesting question. Is there any data on hand from Canada or other Western countries that is helping to form a better picture of the Havana Syndrome? Whether circumstantially or otherwise." Sure, well, the Canadians,
2: sure, because the, you know the Canadians were subject to this. Um, were Canadian they? diplomats in, in in Havana. Okay, yeah, they okay. have, and, and there there's there's certainly a lot of uh, it, it's it's similar in the sense of the Canadian officials who were hit by this have kind of equally been frustrated by their governments. Um, you know, uh, response and, and kind of lack of empathy and lack of medical care. Um, one of the one of the really interesting things, though, is and it's you know it just it's something that you you know that obviously those uh, who are investigating this you know have to digest and really kind of wonder is why is it just you know in, in some sense a couple Canadians, um, but why just American officials? I mean, this yeah. hasn't happened to the Brits, you know, our closest ally, um, or, or the French or others. And I, I can't answer that. Um, it's just something that. Um, but I, but I, but that is, that is certainly notable.
0: Jackson asks, what is the worst intelligence based movie of all time? Is there anyone that really comes to mind? Oh, the
2: worst one. Wow. I mean, you know, there's, you know, it's it, it, all of them <laughs> is the, is the answer, but no, I mean, you know, Homeland was kind of silly, um, you know, not real, uh, uh, but in terms of, you know, I mean, but, 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 but a lot of these are fun. I mean, James Bond movies are super fun, but it has nothing to do with anything. Right. Um, Wasn't
0: there the, um. The Al Pacino movie, The Recruit. The Recruit. That's right. The Recruit. That was a pretty bad yep, one.
2: Yep. No, that was that was not good. Um, but I, I like I, to to flip the question a little bit. There's there's a kind of there's some some sleeper movies that, that okay. I love. So one is Ronin. Yes, I love um, that movie. Which you know with, with Robert De Niro, and it, and and I, it's still like debated on Twitter. Uh, was you know was he actually a CIA knock or a former knock? And the last scene is that his handler from Inside Paris Station. But there's tradecraft in there that those of us who are practitioners of the arts um, kind of love. Whether right. it's, it's brush passes or right, like right. certain combo protocols. So Ronin was incredible to me. Um, also interesting because they're penetrating kind of European terrorist networks. That doesn't get a lot of play anymore. Everything is kind of, you know, Middle East yeah, know. Uh, terrorism. No, that, was, that is a
0: great, great, a great movie. movie. And what then, about
3: a uh, spy game with uh, Redford and Brad Pitt? Yep,
2: So so I like that. Because and, and the parts of it, I, I like the scenes from Beirut, um, and I like the, the uh, I like the scenes of uh, of East Germany uh, when they're doing some again tradecraft stuff and kind of getting car tosses and, and, and people getting dumped out of uh, out of the uh, the trunk of a car. I mean, so so that to me was interesting. It also is it, the funny part about that that we all laughed about is is um, Robert Redford uh, retires with like at, at the end of his CIA career with like two hundred thousand dollars in the bank. Um, that ain't a lot, but, <laughs> you know, but, but it's also kind of, you know, uh, again, maybe a reflection of government service doesn't pay that well.
0: What about a uh, Tinker Tailor soldier series? That was good.
2: Yeah. And the, the various incarnations of it, there was, there was the series that BBC did a couple years ago, which was awesome. Um, I like that. That's, you know, Lacare is always kind of brilliant in his analysis, although t- towards the end of his career, I think he had, he had this kind of hatred of, of America. Um, it was very critical of, of, you know, the Iraq war and mm-hmm. other things. Um, but but speaking of John le Carre, my fi- it's my it's, it's one of my favorite um, uh, espionage books of all time, and my and my favorite espionage movie, which is The Little Drummer Girl. I haven't read it. So and and that's about the uh, Mossad running an operation um, uh, against uh, against the Palestinian terrorist groups. Um, it is extraordinary, um, and because it, it is so, it, it is it is really interesting because it talks about, it, it deals with kind of the personal nature of agent handling. Um, something I talk about in my book uh, uh, all the time, because one of the things that I that I found most interesting was that kind of personal dynamic between the case officer and the agent. And so The Little Drummer Girl has that in uh, in spades, and it is it is amazing. And, and the movie was fantastic.
0: I, I just got this book in the mail. It's an older book um, that I ordered on. Someone recommended it to me. This was published, let me see here, what year, 1982. Oh, wow. So this is The Setup, Setup huh? by Vladimir Volkoff. A Novel of Disinformation. Interesting. So this was just, uh, someone recommended it to me. I have not, uh, I don't know really much about it at all. Born in Paris to Russian parents, fought with the French Army in the Algerian War, came to the States in 66, taught French and Russian at college, written textbooks, plays, novels. Yeah, I don't know. It's about Russian disinformation, so I don't know. I'll give it a try. On a Um, scale of 1 to 10, how much...
3: Of bullshit is zero. Darker. Oh, I knew you were
0: going to ask that question.
3: <laughs> that gets so much
2: conscious. So, so let me just say, um, I didn't mind it. I liked the movie. Um, I also, for those of us, so, so if you ask a CIA officer what they think about this, some people are going to say it was good. Some people to say it was BS. But I think the real answer is it was it was an amalgamation of so many different stories. So there's parts of that that I know actually are pretty good. Um, but there's other parts of it. Like which, the,
0: they combine the Chapman bombing and Bin yeah. Laden. Which these are not it's, right. But but the uh, but, but there's
2: there's elements of, of uh, kind of, of different parts of the story that that ring true to me and my friends who were actually involved. Um, say it's pretty good. Uh, you know the biggest controversy of that. Well, there's two things. One is that the agency you know cooperated. Yeah. So the second that happens, you know, everybody said you know kind of questions that. But the other part was just the idea that that enhanced inter- interrogation techniques were useful. Um, and I think that's what a lot of critics see that movie as kind of you know pushing that that notion. And you know if you want to, if you ask me about that, I still I still think that's kind of you know uh, uh, an unknown. Um, so I'm not as upset about the movie. Um, you know it's uh, it's it's part of kind of uh, cinema you know uh, of, of of Hollywood. It shouldn't be treated as as as, as, as you know fact. as fact. Yeah. Um, you know it's, it's probably a little more kind of what do you call it, you know historical you know fiction. Um, it's a good movie. I mean, you, know, you, you watch it, and, and afterwards, I mean, there's, there's part of it. as a film. As a film. Yeah. Um, but it's not a documentary. Uh, but but people get really passionate about that. Um, and there's still friends of mine who work counterterrorism, who just, you know, it just hasn't even, interestingly enough, they haven't even seen it. Um, you know, for me, I, you know, I, I did, I did, I did see, and I've seen it a couple times. Um, uh, and and I, there, the, the, the reason why I like watching it is there are a couple individuals that obviously remain unnamed who are totally based on some of my friends, and, uh, and and I, that that to me is always amusing. Yeah. So, uh,
0: Jackson asks: Are there ever civilians who end up becoming ground branch PMOOS, or is that a total myth perpetuated by soft so and intel-driven novels? <laughs>
2: um, the, the so I you know I was not a, a member of Special Activities uh, Center, or you know uh, I was not a, a paramilitary uh, operations officer. I was I was came from kind of the conventional side from the Near East Division. Um, to become a PMO, um, uh, and, and I, I might get this kind of wrong, but I, I, I think ninety-nine, percent, you know, all come from their former military, um, and generally from the special operations forces. A lot of them from the U.S. Marine Corps, um, but you, you need to have military experience, and you should um, to to kind of go that route. And so it's you know prior military experience, um, uh, uh, and and uh, and I believe a college degree is a is a prerequisite. It's pretty cool,
0: Tyler. Thank you, and Joe. <laughs> Joe asks, how accurate is the polygraph?
2: Uh, not accurate at all. Yeah. Um, the polygraph is a tool. And so, you know, it, the polygraph is something that to me, um, and to a lot of us, you know, it was a hated part of kind of your security processing. Um, uh, because you know, just based on science and, and research and, and, you know, in and, and fact, that it's not necessarily it's, accurate. It's pseudoscience. It's pseudoscience. And so it is designed to keep me and you and everybody else who is in a position where a polygraph is required, you know, designed to keep you on the up and up. Um, so guess what, like, you know, you know, CIA officers, you know, aren't, aren't smoking weed. It's not because we don't want to smoke weed. It's because you know you're going to get jammed up on the polygraph. Um, so, so ultimately it's, you know, and, and, and CIA officers, you know, when they're, when they're in, don't talk to the press. Well, why is that? Um, well, it's because when you get polygraphed, you're worried that, that you know, that's going to that's gonna come out. So it is, a, it is a useful tool to kind of coerce behavior that they want. Now,
0: polygraph is fake news. Inbox me, guys. There you go. I'm here.
2: But but here's the here's the critical part of the of uh, what's interesting in terms of uh, of the polygraph when you so polygraph is used to to kind of vet our officers um, as a security tool it's also used when we're running an agent so sometimes you know and and so that is a is another tool it's interesting so we know it's not reliable. But if you if, if you are polygraphing your agent that's gonna that's gonna help ensure not always that they're actually providing it works you know, because, accurate because people
0: believe it works and it shakes them up and they start divulging stuff
2: well so, so for example you know so if we have an agent um, and we're paying them a lot of money and they have access to something um, let's say their access goes away well then the gravy train is about to get turned off that's that's a life cycle of an operation. Well oftentimes that agent will then start embellishing things making up you know access mm, I got you, yeah and so in order to to kind of mitigate that you know if we're polygraphing someone you know regularly or routinely you know they're going to be much less uh uh you know prone to to kind of uh, you know uh, you know going down that road of, of embellishing, knowing that they're going to have a, some kind of security interview that they're going to get tripped up so it just like you know just like for a CIA officer or agents overseas you know it's a it's a tool but you know, there's been plenty of research and, and I think in even US courts, US law, that's it's not admissible. Um so there is certainly a, an issue on 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 you know the accuracy of that. Um and you know, and it, and and it's not a really particularly pleasant process. Um
0: Isaac says I saw Berlin station and looked it up if it was accurate and I learned the CIA was spying in Germany, agents were caught in two thousand nine and ten. Were you involved? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was not involved
2: um in, in that. But you know, there's look you know the, at the end of the day, you know, uh, it, it's a it's a business that is run by humans. Um, sometimes, you know, we make mistakes. Sometimes our agents make mistakes, and sometimes you get caught. Um, you know, that's very well publicized incidents that happened in Germany. I think it led to kind of the, you know the expulsion of some U.S. officials. Um, uh, but you know, make no mistake. You know, we have, you know, uh, you know the 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 notion that you know we don't spy on some of our friends. Um, it, it is something that I think is, is, you know, makes everyone feel better. Um, but do we have interest, or you know, do we have friends, or do we just have interests? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a perfect example is, is kind of, you know, the, uh, one of our best quote friends in the entire planet, as a nation, is the is the is the country of Israel. Israel spies on us, you know, maniacally. Yeah. Um, and they've gotten caught, but they do so, and we know they do, and and you know, still a great ally. Um, but but you know, espionage is what it's. What's the first? What's the oldest profession?
0: Prostitution. Right.
2: Espionage is the second oldest, <laughs> uh, second oldest uh, uh, profession. So it's, it's, it's no accident that sometimes, um, you know, friends get caught uh, uh, kind of doing
0: things maybe that make people feel uncomfortable. David, thank you. Michael, uh, please ask Mark to elaborate as far as Russia not cooperating with us when they asked for our help with counterterrorism, which is, I mean, after 9-11, yeah. there was a real concerted effort, a genuine effort, right, to work with the Russians, Sort of. There was
2: an agreement that the Russians allowed us to operate bases in, you know, their former Soviet republics, whether, you know, we're talking about, you know, the the stands. Um, uh, But but in actual counterterrorism cooperation, it's always been a one-way street. You know, so, so, you know, we've given the Russians stuff and they've given us, you know, very little in return. Um, because ultimately they don't have an interest in doing so. And so I think, you know, I think the the, you know, the heyday of the cooperative effort was that we had, you know, bases in, in, you know, the the famous bases uh, in Uzbekistan and others uh, and and other locations. But but the idea, but that was just, you know, Russia agreeing to allow us to do that in their kind of, you know, sphere of influence. Um, The idea that they have given us, you know, uh, information that thwarted terrorist attacks, um, certainly not anything I ever saw.
0: Uh, KT Ant wants to hear from you. What do you think is the best book on CIA history that people should read? Oh wow.
2: Um, I have to I have to get get back to you on that. I mean, there's there's been uh, uh, there's been a couple kind of grand you know treaties that have been <laughs> that have been written. Often they're very negative yeah. on, on, <laughs> on certain areas. So I, I I I'm loath to kind of recommend, but um, but they're interesting. I'll I'll, I'll uh, okay. Uh, I'll get get back to that. I mean, I, I know I think that one of the really interesting things is that there's not a ton, and I, I wish there was more um, kind of university, you know, uh, classes uh, uh, or, or you know, or seminars on intelligence where it would be a semester long. And, and some some schools certainly have that. I took um, one
0: at Columbia of all places. Um, I think it was intelligence studies yep. or something like and that, and that's
2: really good. And that's where you kind of get. So it's you know, it's not going to be you know a, a foreign policy class with a, a lecture or two on. Uh, on intelligence, um, uh, but yeah, if, if there's, a, if there, I'll have to think if there's a single, you know, book that kind of encapsulates everything, because a lot of them are very negative. And look, you know, there's there's controversial things the agency has done in the past. I mean, you know, one of the, my my you know my I'm Greek. I was born in Greece. My dad's Greek, and my dad hated the CIA because he remembered, yeah, the, the 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 CIA support for the for the colonels for the for the junta in the 1970s. Um, you know, now it's 2022 right now, and my dad's 83 years old. And we're still having this argument about what happened. In, in, you know, a, a, a hell of a Greek's long time a
3: com- ago. Greeks going to make a comeback from uh, uh, Cyprus. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't right. worry.
2: Um, you know, it's, it, there's a there's a funny story I I always tell on that. Because, and again, because people really have long memories, this happened in the 1970s. Yeah. But when I when I came back from Iraq, I was I was very fortunate to receive a, you know the distinguished intel. It's called the distinguished intelligence medal, which is the agency's. Uh, uh, you know, second highest award for some of the stuff I did in Iraq. And George Tenet was the CIA director at the time. And, and my dad was invited to the bubble, um, and, you know, at CIA headquarters for the ceremony. And I and I knew Tenet because, again, uh, you know, because the, the Greek mafia really runs the CIA. That's something your listeners didn't know. But now they, they kind of get a hint at it. But, but beforehand, I went to uh, – my dad agreed to come, um, even though he always grumbled about the, kind of my career choice. And I went to Tenet beforehand. And I said, "Would you mind just talking to my dad? Because he hates this place. <laughs> he hates what I do." And he's, he's laughing because he knows. And so he, my dad comes to the ceremony, and Tenant takes him aside, and they speak Greek together, you know, in Greek for fifteen minutes. And my dad comes back. It's a really neat story. My dad comes back he has tears in his eyes. And I said, "I said, uh, you know, what did the director say?" And he said, "Nothing." But he wouldn't talk. And so I saw the, I saw the Tenant later on. And I said, "Would you would you tell my dad?" And, if, and he, this is out of the you know he's trying to do the right thing. He said, "I, I told your dad you were a hero." Um, and it was, it, you know, and cause I wanted, you know, I, I, he goes, I, I know that you have this kind of, you know, dispute with him about the agency. And I, I thanked Tennant, you know, tremendously for that. It was really a nice, you know, a nice thing he did for me and my family. And of course, later on when I, when I was talking to my dad and I finally, I said, I said, I talked to, I talked to George, um, uh, and he told me what he said and he, and my father said, he goes, I, I'm this is a long time ago when Tenet was director. He says, He's, says, oh, you know, I'm fine with you being in the CIA as long as George Tennant's the director because it's a Greek. Said, okay. <laughs> so then, then Tenet left, and now my dad's back there questioning my <laughs> career choice. But it was a really neat move by Tenet to do that for me. That yeah. was a really personal thing. I mean, that's that's a leadership thing, too. It's like, took him 15 minutes out of his day. Talked,
0: talk to a family a member. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I, uh, I certainly don't think the agency is, like, above critique by any means, and, you know, I know there's folks out there that have mixed opinions about some of the stuff that I've written about the agency, but at the same time, a lot of the criticisms you often hear over and over again, people are, like, reaching back to, like, pre-church committee, right. MK yeah. Ultra, like, the CIA is not the same that it was in 1958. No. You know, it's a lot of time has passed.
2: You know, Jack, you're totally right. And and the the critical thing that I've said all along in my career when I talk about the agency is that we actually and this I was an operations officer and we actually believe strongly in congressional oversight. And for a long time, the CIA hated congressional oversight. But the public
0: still thinks you guys are like smoking people without.
2: But here's but here's what happened. Here's why congressional (laughs) oversight is good is number one, to keep us honest. Um, because, because you know, the CIA does not belong to the CIA. You know, the CIA is, a, is a, it's an executive branch tool. Where you know, it's, it's you know, so, so um, you know, CIA doesn't do stuff. It's it's the United States does through you know, obviously through the executive branch. Um, it's U.S. government actions, not just the agency. But but number two, when we're asked to do unusual things, um, it's all legal. It's all it's all legal. The Department of Justice is involved, and it's a brief to the congressional committees. And one of the things that that you see time and again when some kind of scandal you know kind of comes forward or or there's something controversial perfect example is the you know, the the EIT is the enhanced interrogation techniques this was briefed to everybody multiple times now maybe it was the wrong thing to do maybe history is not is not going to judge us fairly uh, or or judge that that it, it, you know it, it was wrong but it was not the CIA going off rogue on its own. Right, right. Um, you know, members of the House and Senate uh, leadership knew in exactly what we were doing. And, and then approved an a-
0: after it. it comes out, like, we never heard of this. And
2: that's, that's just, that's, this that's bullshit. This is outrageous. Um, that's not to say it was right. But, but <laughs> right. you know, but ultimately it's kind of because because we, you know, you're smart when you're asked to do some unusual things. I was involved, I think, in every covert action program in the Middle East for two decades. Um, and, you know, and, and these are, this is covert action. These are findings. Some of these are lethal findings. But ultimately, we have spent so much time with Congress that you know that. And sometimes things go, go wrong, you know, on, on, on these programs. But at least there has been oversight. You had permission. There's no kind of rogue operations. And so, you know, when, when people talk about the CIA going rogue, because insiders, like, you know, people, you know, you kind of laugh. Like, you can't go to the bathroom without telling Congress. And that's good. You want that. Um, but very rarely do we ever kind of do stuff that, that uh, you know, is a surprise to anybody on the Hill.
3: Yes. So, like, in the lead-up to the Iraq war, when the intelligence to most CIA folks was, you know, not coming out exactly, it wasn't what we were being fed, and I'm sure the CIA knew that more than anybody. When there was a concerted effort to, like, cherry-pick intel, like, what were you guys feeling in the CIA at the time? Oh,
2: no, I see what you're saying. So, so let me just, I'll give you just a, a vignette. So, we're up in northern Iraq. Um, you know, I know you've had some, you know, Sam and others here. You know who led those teams, and I was on a, a kind of, a, and, and uh, I, I was with actually with Mick uh, Mulroy, my old friend, um, on kind of a different team up in Northern Iraq. I'll never forget watching Colin Powell's speech um, when he's kind of laying the case mm-hmm. uh, for the war and talking about Iraq WMD, and we're all looking and saying like, "What?" Never saw so, like, I, 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 "Great," it was a different stream that we haven't seen, but good, good on us that we have that. Um, and so, you know, there's always kind of skepticism, but ultimately, that was a that was a tremendous failure of of the agency. Um, more, more so on, on analysis rather than collection, um, uh, but ultimately, you know, uh, I, I think you know, you know, as as you kind of reflect on that, um, that was a, just a tremendous analytic failure, and and things things are now put in place, um, to, but but it's not like we knew that we were misleading. You know, I and mean, there was the a lot of States. like
0: malfeasance from the White House side too, because I mean, weren't they coming that's down? That's the second point, right? They were coming down and yeah. cherry picking what they wanted, and by going around the analysts.
2: So, so there was a, a absolute concerted effort um, uh, by both, by, by frankly, by both White House and DOD um, some officials in DOD to, to cherry pick intel. So, you know, there, there's there are kind of famous incidents of of you know, was there cooperation between um, uh, Al Qaeda uh, uh, and the Iraqis? And so, you know, that was always kind of out there. Um, and there are all sorts of allegations on this. Well, what does that really mean? And I can't get into details of it, but, but if there was, let's say there was a meeting once, um, that can be conflated into something that it's not. Right, right. Um, uh, and and so, so I think that, you know, that ultimately uh, uh, that, you know, there's been, there's been so many kind of safeguards put in place with, with ombudsmen at the CIA and, um, uh, and other things where we're not going to hopefully have that, you know, happen again. Um, but there was never there was never you know a moment where we we thought that you know wow um, you know the, the, the CIA and, and, and you know were were kind of were misleading the American people and the and the office of the president. What did you think uh, as, about
0: this stuff that has hit the news in the last week uh, about Durham's report that the CIA was like unilaterally spying on Trump? So
2: so uh, you know it, it, uh, look I, 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 I find it you know th- this has caused this kind of kind of you know hysteria in right wing media. Um, I've read a little bit about this and, and, you know, what, what I, what I seem to have gleaned is that there was an attempt, um, made to ensure that, you know, uh, that the White House was not being hacked during the Obama administration. And they have conflated that into somehow that, you know, the Hillary campaign was spying on Trump. I mean, I, I think it's, you know, I think that if you, even if you, you know, as you, as you, as you you kind of read exactly what Durham is saying, um, it is far less sensational. Um, and and so you know I mean I I don't know this this goes down the kind of the political rabbit hole I mean you know, but but the idea that you know that, that that there was some some people spying on the on the you know the the Trump uh, the Trump the White people House people are others.
0: reading something into it that's not there
2: and then again I'm, I'm not an expert on this but but I you know there are legitimate uh, entities that look at certain you know uh, agencies to make sure they're not being hacked and I think that's what was being done. Um, uh, and that doesn't mean that you can actually even see content of this. And, and again, my understanding, this was done, you know, it was done during the Obama administration. So, you know, it's going to be, you know, it's going to, it's, people are going to run with this and, and, and I, I just, it's exhausting to me. It is, it actually, if you, if you read the kind of, you know, what Durham put out, it is, it is wildly confusing. It is
0: not what the headlines
4: are saying.
2: It's not, but it's also, it's massively confusing. No one understands it. And then, and then the narrative is that the Hillary campaign spied on Trump and then you have. And frankly, I I told you I wasn't going to get into politics. But then you have, you know, former President Trump calling for the execution of some of these officials. I mean, this is getting
3: totally crazy. uh, Go back to an easier topic like Iraq in 2003. Um, Like when the Valerie Plame stuff was going down, what was morale like in the CIA?
2: So uh, that's interesting because that was when, you know, Valerie Plame was kind of outed as uh, as a as a CIA officer. Um, I, I, what I, what I kind of respond to on stuff like this is, you know, people at the agency actually, when they're actually, unlike me, who's retired and talking about this stuff, people just have a lot of kind of shit to do during the day. And so, you know, they just, they just do their jobs. Um, and so, so, you know, ultimately, uh, I don't think it has a particularly, you know, uh, you know, bad effect on morale. I mean, you know, sometimes we get caught up in politics, but, but the bottom line is that even, you know, even, you know, during the Trump administration where, where former president Trump was attacking, the agency regularly attacking the intelligence community. People there just did their jobs. Um, they, you know, the, the great part about being at CI headquarters is you don't have access to Twitter. I mean, obviously, there's you know our operations center is probably monitoring something uh, in Twitter, but no, you know. So so meanwhile, you know, you and I are sitting around and the three of us are like, oh my god, you're we're not getting late.
0: news alerts. No, on your phone. I, yeah, right. Yeah. And so
2: um, you know, the, and, and so so ultimately, we just we just do our job and kind of you know the, I think um, it's not helpful if you know if there's kind of political controversy, but ultimately, I mean, you're busy as hell every day um and and so you know whether you're an operations officer or an analyst uh it doesn't have all that much of an effect which is which is i think a really good thing um you know and i always i always kind of joke with people like i had no idea the political affiliation of anybody i worked with um i will tell you that that to a person all we want from a president and congress is to just say yes <laughs> on operations you know <laughs> just to give us permission to do stuff we want to do um but you know i served under four presidents and they were all different and there was always controversy in um, you know, clearly, you know, uh, you know, under the, uh, the the Trump administration, it was it was you know there was there was so much churn and all the attacks in the intelligence community. But then you got to remember, during the Obama administration, the NSC had four hundred people in it. So to get things done, the the kind of approval process was really onerous. And so we were, you know, I always talk about we're 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 cranky under any any president, any administration. It's kind of universal, and I'm sure <laughs> the same thing is happening now.
0: Uh, I wanted to make sure that we talk about this. Um, Project that you're working on with William, ah, yes, uh, that it, it's it's very uh, clever and an, an intelligent way to kind of reach out to people as far as like fighting PTSD yep. and, and especially suicide sure. in amongst service members.
2: So this has become a, a, a really a great passion of mine. Um, it, it's a it's a it's a company called Sound Off, and I'm on the board, and I'm just as a you know I have to say totally unpaid, um, which is the right thing. Uh, but SoundOff was created by a fellow by the name of William Negley, who was a former CIA officer, and his brother-in-law um, was, was someone by the name of Bill Mulder, who was a SEAL Team 6 operator who, you know, 100 plus days after separating from, from the Navy after, after retiring, killed himself. Um, and SoundOff is a company, but in essence, it is, a, it is an app that you put on your cell phone um, where, uh, where it allows for anonymous mental health services. Um, so you are, you are connected to a, 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 you know, someone, a clinician or, or you know, something we can call a battle buddy, but someone who's going to provide anonymous health care. And why is that anonymous mental health care? Why is that important? Because of the stigma that exists. And, and, and Jack, you know this. Um, you know, amongst, whether it's the special operations community, regular military, or, or, or the intelligence community, you know, there is a stigma on mental health. Um, people are scared of, of kind of losing their deployment status. Um, uh, uh, and in particular, you know, uh, you know, traumatic brain injury, which which is in now endemic after kind of two decades of war, um, is a really serious issue. Um, uh, which of course uh, uh, leads to you know post traumatic stress disorder and others, uh, other things. So so ultimately, it's a, it, it's something that you know we found that there was a niche that had to be filled where there are a lot of you know uh, you know providers who are willing to provide you know or are willing to, to give uh, uh, mental health care. Um, to veterans or to, to military service members, the intelligence community, but this is something that's anonymous and that's really important.
0: Yeah, it's very it's very okay. clever because so many guys are afraid of uh, losing their security clearance. Yep. Like that guy Michael Frody that I recently yep. wrote about, who w- was in a secret DOD unit, took his own life. He was definitely one of those people who was afraid that he was going to lose the job that he fought so hard. hard for.
2: And 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 people say that. And so when when you know and and it's interesting. So so you know uh, Williams brother-in-law Bill Mulder so he was again he was from, from CLTM team six but he actually did a rotation in the intelligence community and he actually worked for me years you know years prior um, and, the, and the story is so incredibly tragic and you, you know you talk to Sydney his his widow um, you know here's someone who was on the tip of the spear but really you know struggled tremendously um, with with serious issues after you know after two decades of war um, and and openly stated to Sydney uh, you know uh, you know before he took his, his life that that he could not get he could not get help that he needed because he was worried of losing his his you know his deployment status, his clearance, you know his ability to kind of stay with his brothers um, uh, in the fight because there's this stigma because you know PTSD and, and really and TBI is this you know it's it's a it's a it's a silent injury um, and it's it's devastating but it's not a gunshot it's not something you can you know show visibly to your to, you know, to your to your comrades um, and so the idea is to 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 you know to have a mechanism on your phone. Um, to allow for anonymous, anonymous, you know, uh, healthcare, which I think you know fills a, a tremendous niche, yeah. and mm-hmm. you know what we're trying to do is going kind to of promote this throughout the, the special operations community, um, certainly through all the you know the the various foundations, um, you know, for for retired veterans. I mean, the statistics are awful. I think there's, I think it's 17 veterans a day, uh, commit suicide. I mean, that's a that's a number that is that blows your mind. When, um, that's a terrible. thing to say.
0: I, I, I worked on a story about the uh, Delta operator Billy Levine who, you know, shot and killed his best friend, Mark Leshikar, and then, you know, Levine, unfortunately, turned up dead in a training site on Fort Bragg. Right. Um, he made comments to uh, Mark's sister, uh, not outright saying he needed help but couldn't get it, but kind of beating around the bush and saying, you know, the people who really need help in the unit aren't getting it because, you know, that he felt like they weren't taken care of or that there was a stigma right. behind it. And I've just encountered this so many times in the stories I've worked on that I think it, this this fills a real need for yeah. people. And and how many guys who have wound up dead one way or the other that this could have helped. You one, know,
2: one of the things that I found incredible um, when I went to Walter Reed again to their to their the TBI center is that you know so you go there for so the the TBI program there and it's and it's 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 really designed for um, for the military. There are some agency folks as I've alluded to who have gone, but. You know, you go there every morning. You walk in there, and and, and frankly, I didn't think I had an issue with self harm. Um, but every morning you walk in there, and the first thing they ask you is, "Did you feel that you know you, you were going to hurt yourself last night?" And I would always say consistently, "No." But at the end of the program, they bring in family members, and they brought my wife in, um, and I was I was I was stunned by what she had to say. And she, you know, because they asked her, and you're there in front of in, in front of your, and sometimes your kids are there too. And they said, "Did you ever worry about Mark taking his own life?" And she said, "Yes, all the time." Wow. And I was like, "What?" And so, and and then we had obviously, you know, you're sitting there talking to, you know, you're, you know, psychologists on this, but but there were so many signs or things that I did that really scared my wife. Now I'm still convinced I was not, you know, going right, down that right.
0: path. But you didn't, you also, you didn't know she was living with that either.
2: And and yeah. so, so you're right. There's two things. One is she was worried about me, so so maybe I should kind of reassess. But number two, right, she was living with that every day and really scared for me. Um, and so you know, just to have that ability to 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 you know to to talk to folks, and and the the amazing thing about um, some of these veteran suicides, including including Bill uh, Mulder, he went through the TBI program. He went through NICO. He came out with tools that he needed, and still it didn't work. He didn't mm-hmm. stick with mm-hmm. stuff, which is what happens. You know, as we were talking earlier today when we were, at, you know, grabbing a coffee, is you know you have to you have to be dedicated and want to do this. Um, and so just to, just you know so I, so I, you know I, I, obviously it's a it's a it's a company that's providing the service. You know, we we do a lot of fundraising, um, and it, but it's really awareness. And so it's it's just it's it's, it's making veterans aware of this. Um, you know, if you look up on the internet, it's sound off, um, uh, and yeah, we'll and throw
3: the links and everything in put the, the link description. in there.
2: And there's, you know, there's, you know, Catherine Harridge of CBS did a great piece a couple months ago, um, where they interviewed William and they interviewed Sydney, um, you know, uh, uh, Bill's widow. And it's just, it's something I just want to kind of spread the word on. I feel passionately about it. I think the Intel community needs it as well. Um, uh, again, it's, it's the same exact kind of stigma. Uh, I, I remember coming back from, you know, Iraq and Afghanistan, you go and you, you kind of have your... <laughs> You know, you're, you're post-TDY uh, or PCS, you know, physical, and there's you do see a psychiatrist or a psychologist, and how you doing? Great. You know, you're, you're, any nightmares? No, nope, I'm all good. Meanwhile, you know, I'm seeing dead bodies at night, and I'm waking up in a cold sweat, and all the, all the things that I was really affected when I came back from, from Iraq. Because, um, you know, that's what we do. We lie. <laughs> and so that's what I did. I lied to every medical professional uh, on some of these things. And so, you know, uh, it's just it's try, trying to find a way to get people help when they need it.
0: And so people can find this on, like... Uh, whatever the iTunes app or whatever the yep. hell what, yeah. whatever program yep. Google an,
2: Play as a, there's an app store uh, okay. in, in terms of in terms of the app itself yeah 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 um, uh, for sure and it's, it's, it's really easy to sign up um, and you know as we, as we talked about before I think it would be a, a kind of a great future program um, to have you know William Negley on to have Sydney Bill Mulder's widow on and even you know Mick Mulroy is now involved with this you know my old colleague uh, yeah you
0: know, I want to do something on this um, for sure
2: it's, uh, it's, it's just it's really important it's just it's the right thing to do
3: It's sound-off.com, and it's available on iTunes, Google Store, and Android everywhere. You can find it, sound-off.com, and there'll be a link in the description for anyone who's listening or watching later.
0: Here are some spicy questions. Oh, boy. KT, ask Mark about his opinion about James Jesus Angleton (laughs) (laughs) going back in time. Uh,
2: So, so obviously, James Jesus Angleton, the kind of former legendary um, uh, chief of counterintelligence, uh, uh, for the agency. And, and you know, I, someone who is kind of rife with paranoia, um, you know, it, it probably caused a lot more harm than than good. Uh, but I think the story of James Jesus Angleton is, 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 is something that, you know, we should always caution on is that these are individuals who had gained kind of too much power.
0: Institutional power.
2: Institutional power and were in their positions too long. Um, there's a reason why, you know, we are rotated in and out of jobs. Um, and I think that, you know, that's something that the agency has to really take you know,
0: CI is that specifically a field where, like, if you spend too long there, the conspiracy totally, yeah, stuff in your absolutely. head starts to mess with right. you.
2: Um, so, so you know, a perfect example. It's a hypothetical example. Is is you know, so let's say we we try to recruit a Russian, and and as part of the vetting process, you want to see what kind of information the Russians are, the that Russian agent is giving us, and if it's if it's if it's if it's bad, okay, you know, you know, probably a provocation. If it's good, and here's the thinking, if it's good, well, okay, he still might be bad because the Russians are feeding us information that's good for now because down the line they're going to at some point deceive mm-hmm. us. And so, so you know, that's the, that's the kind of wilderness of mirrors. You know, you're going to go crazy over time because you can, you can have an agent who is providing rock-solid information. Maybe that agent is even telling us which spies the Russians have recruited in the U.S. government, but No. The, the 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 paranoid CI person would be like, well, they're going to give up one of their spies because they're going to protect someone who's even more important.
0: You, you think you're playing chess with the Russians, but at a certain point, you're playing chess against yourself. yourself. and so
2: you know that <laughs> that, that, that kind of stuff was is is, is is maddening. I mean, you know the, the way you kind of you know uh, you obviously you have to always kind of uh, you know uh, you know vet and test your your your, your agents, but yeah, you know, that kind of thinking is unbelievable. And you know I, I, you see this in your careers. Amongst folks, and then, then you're thinking, yeah, you've you've been in the in the CIA game a little too long. I mean, the agent the agent is providing good information, um, but no, he's still he or she is still bad because uh, because ultimately there's a, there's an ulterior motive, and that's when you're you're getting a little nutty. I mean, you know, if, if you think about that, you know, how do you trust your spouse? How do you trust your kids? I mean, right. you know, uh You know, you're gonna make yourself crazy over time.
0: Here's another little spicy one. Uh, is there any significance in the fact that Trump's first wife Ivana, her whole family was in the Czech KGB? I, I, don't, I don't even know if that's it's true, true or not. Yeah. I, don't, I, can't, I, I can't fact check that right now.
2: I'll stay away from that one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's good though. because that's another CI. To, uh, we'd start mind fucking ourselves on, on things like right. this real quick, right? Uh,
2: so you know, what, what's interesting though is that um, you know, I, it, it's it's it's. As, as we're talking about that, that question of kind of uh, uh, recruiting um, a diverse workforce and so th- and we're talking about Americans but what about, and, and so here's where CIA really has to kind of I think you know, get out of the 18th century is, is look? I was, I was born in Greece, my wife was born in Lebanon both of us were CIA officers you know, so immigrants and, and people with extensive foreign overseas ties and backgrounds maybe, they, maybe they're you know, to, to, to China or Russia or other places like that that actually, those are the people we need because they bring cultural understanding, mm-hmm. bring linguistic understanding, but on the security side, there's always this kind of crazy suspicion. <laughs> um, and and again, so that's that's something I think that, that you know, that CIA has grappled with. I don't I don't think we're there yet, but we have to you know, you gotta and you know, maybe you're taking some chances, but you know what? We need a Chinese American uh, uh, you know, uh, to be a case officer or or a Russian uh, American who speaks the language already, who knows
0: the culture. Do you think those people are, I mean, this is sort of, sort of like a racist comment, but it's also something that we kind of have to talk about or at least acknowledge. Um, is there an increased threat of, let's say, a Chinese American being flipped by the Chinese intelligence? I, 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 mean, I think,
2: you, I mean, you got to look to see, if, you know, if they have family back, Mm-hmm. Uh, in China but I would actually but, but every situation is unique but I'll tell you for, for my my situation and, and for and and, and, and and you know some of the other folks I know you know we have a whole bunch of Arab American officers you know, as in, it, the immigrant experience is really interesting, but uh, but oftentimes I would find immigrants more patriotic, yeah, yeah. more loyal to this country because they came here for a reason. Right. Um, you know, I, I joke around my, my wife uh, uh, all the time. Like my wife's family is like to the right of Attila the Hun. <laughs> uh, you know, and they are they are, you know you know America can do no wrong because they fled Lebanon and came here and, and they have been so successful here. Um, so I think, you know, everything's different. Look, if you have, you know, uh, if there's if there's family members, you know, who remain in you know, Russia or China, that's that's an issue because um, they could be subject to, to pressure. But, you know, every case is is different. But, you know, the, the, these are the people that we really want. I mean, again, it's, it's that kind of yeah. diverse workforce. And for a long time, the kind of security folks would, uh, you know, would, would give
0: these folks a hard time. Oh my gosh! More questions. Okay, I'll try to I'll try to start wrapping it up here. Um, Mark, thank you for the uh, CIA golf Golf ball. There you go. Collector's item. This come out of the gift shop.
2: Uh, Well, I have access to as a as a retiree. I have access to the gift shop. So yes, I uh, I buy some golf balls to give to my friends. Yeah, thank you. Uh, You can sell it on eBay. (laughs) (laughs) When I get really pissed at the agency, I'll take out you know I'll take it out and I'll, I'll you know hit some hit that ball hard so it gets my aggression
3: out. Oh, Mark, one more question. So the UBL raid, there was a walk-in. <laughs> no, stop it. <laughs> no, the, see, the good thing about doing
2: this on a, uh, starting at 12 is that when there's no drinking involved, is I don't have to wake up tomorrow and say, what the hell did I say <laughs> and go into a panic. What did I tell Jack and D? Oh, my God.
0: Uh, it's always fun to see you guys yeah man like that, that show we did a couple episodes back with Andrew like the last hour I don't really like my recollection's very fuzzy of what actually happened I just
2: there. saw you tweet something out this went off the
3: rails degenerated Completely, totally did. Yep. very <laughs> much did go off the rails we had Andy take a shirt off thank god we've been trying for years male nudity on the show
0: <laughs> I, okay what is Mark's opinion about Michael Flynn
3: oh okay
2: well I'm happy to share that <laughs> I, I think Michael Flynn is an absolute, so this is, this, you know, maybe the, you know, some of your your listeners will be upset by this or not, but I think he's an absolute traitor to the United States. Um, here is someone who, you know, occupied the, the, one of the highest intelligence positions in the U.S. government as director of DIA. Um, he's completely gone off the rails. Um, started early, not started, started early after his retirement when he shows up, at, at you know, at a, a luncheon or dinner with Vladimir Putin. Um, uh, it was involved in some, you know, some crazy scheme to, uh, you know, with with the government of Turkey uh, being paid by them. Um, but someone who is, you know, who is, who is,
0: fired from the National Security Council after like two after, days. Yeah, after,
2: but but it was so off the rails now um, in his kind of conspiracy theory and, and mindset. I mean, this is not this is not someone who is a supporter of a of a political party or position. This is someone who is kind of degenerated and is just, you know right. some madness. Um, Absolute madness. And it's a a really sad story. And so I think that when you look at, you know, um, uh, uh, Michael Flynn and, and, you know, you you look back to to the time when he was, you know, in the war zones um, and on the analytic side, you know, really they were pioneering some of the kind of fine fix and finish and using um, SIGINT and a lot of things we do really well kind of in manhunting. But, but what he's degenerated into now into this, you know, QAnon conspiracy guy, I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible. I can't – look, I have friends across the political aisle we were joking about before that, you know, I'll talk – I'll go on CNN or Fox or MSNBC anywhere. And so, you know, I, I made my, my – some of my political views known sometimes, uh, but I'm uncomfortable in being kind of labeled to the right or to the left. Um, you know, Flynn is, is off the wall crazy, and I don't understand even some of my, you know, Republican friends – um, who, who defend him in any way? I mean, this is this is absolute lunacy now. This is not saying you're a supporter of right. Of it's a not party. about conservative politics. at No, all. not at
0: all. It, it's just batshit crazy.
2: And, and I'd love to go back to a time when people actually fought over issues. Um, you know, uh, you know, just you know, you know. So, so you know, what is the role of government now? You know, so obviously, you know, the, the Democratic, you know, uh, Democratic Party has moved to the left a bit, and they're pushing big government programs. Republicans are are resisting that. That's great. Let's have that debate all day. Um. Uh. Uh. You know. But. But the the Michael Flynn's of the world. I. I can't imagine anyone. Um. Any Republican that, kind of embracing him. That, that just that makes we no have,
0: sense. we have. That we have these um, colonels and generals coming out of the military and and a few characters from the CIA. Sure. We're like stop the steal. The Dominion voting machines were hacked by Venezuela. Yep. Uh, I mean, do you think that's something of an indictment on these organizations that these people are kind of promoted to the well, highest ranks? so
2: so you know, uh, uh, it's it's it, 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 it just triggers something. I'll, I'll tell you in a second. So the answer is is you know is this someone who has always had these kind of beliefs, or did it happen after, retirement? or did it happen over time? And, and again, and, and let's let's go back to twenty years of war. Like, mm-hmm. what has this done to all of us? um uh but yeah it's a, it's a little nutty i mean you know i remember you writing on this and, and tweeting about it but certainly writing on it and talking about it um you know how extensive in the whole stop the steel movement or in the in, on, on and january 6 in QAnon. Yeah. QAnon, you know how many veterans were involved yeah, in this yeah. um yeah it's a, that's that's to me it's worrisome i remember just you know fearful after january 6 that that we would find out that i'd find out that some of my friends um you know were involved uh, in the assault on the capitol some of
0: my friends were
2: right uh, and that that to me is deeply disturbing um, you know, and so, so, you know, the reason why I laughed is, is one of the things, when we, let's go back to the Havana syndrome piece. And so at some point, um, you know, when, when we kind of dismiss a lot of the uh, claims by, by CIA officers that they were hit by Havana syndrome and, and, and some of the allegations were, okay, this is mass hysteria. And so some one of my friends made a, made a quip is like, well, like what the hell happened to our selection process? <laughs> so basically you're saying that, you know, a thousand people are crazy. Um, Or a thousand people are suffering from some kind of illness. Well, like uh, how'd that happen? Um, And so, you know, I I don't know. You know, national security, uh, you know, establishment is made up of human beings, and so, you know, we all have, uh, you know, we all have things that we deal with. If you bring it with you, you know, from the beginning, or it happens over time. But, um, but boy, I I see someone like Flynn, and and this is someone who's just kind of just degenerated in a spectacular fashion. Um, I don't think he was always like this. Um, but but he is just so off the wall now. Um, I, I have a hard time having a rational conversation with some of my Republican friends who actually think he's still kind of legitimate legitimate figure. Do
0: you think some of these like folks who go down like the QAnon rabbit hole? Do you think it represents a national security threat? Yeah, for at sure. A certain point?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, oh, I do. I, and you know, I I actually I do think that you know, kind of from that that we have a serious domestic terrorist threat now. Um, I mean, January 6th for me was a horrific day. I, I, I watched that. I was in, in total horror. Um, I have friends who are on the Hill, you know, Congressman Abigail Spanberger. She's a former CIA officer. She's a rock star, um, uh, you know, a moderate Democrat from kind of rural Virginia. Um, you know, she was texting me, you know, from the floor of the House. Like they thought they were going to die that day. Um, she was a, she was an absolute, you know, she was a hero that day as well, because having, you know, been, you know she was a case officer. So she was going around telling everyone to take their pins off, the little pins, you know, congressional, uh, uh, the pins that Congress, uh, uh, the congressmen, congresswomen wear that signifies, you know, who they are. Because they were worried that if people, you know, if, 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 the, if the Capitol, if the floor was breached, that they would be kind of picked off one by one. Um, uh, that was a terrifying day. I mean, I watched that. And again, I, I served 26 years. I, you know, I spent a lot of time in third world countries where this stuff does happen. You know, watching that um, was, was truly awful. Uh, and, and so, you know, uh, I, I was, I was definitely in the back of my mind and you were writing, you were writing and, and talking about it. I was like, uh, I hope, hope I don't know some folks. And, and I, same thing. I know some people who are down there too. And, um, I've had to kind of reassess my relationships, literally my personal relationships, it's relationships sad. with some of them. It's yeah. really
0: sad. It's, it's heartbreaking for me, especially seeing not just QAnon, but how many, um, people I knew retired senior leaders in the special operations community right. going down that road of this sort of conspiracy stuff. Um, it's, it's heartbreaking yeah. actually. And it makes me, yeah, you have to reassess some of your relationships. And honestly, it also makes me reassess something about myself as well, because like I came out of this same world. I was That's a right. true believer. Like, what does it say about me that I admired these people so yeah. much? Um, and I, I still, to this day, don't really know what to do with all of that. Uh, you know, my, my team sergeant, when I was in special forces, he's in federal prison right now. Right. And I don't know what's going to happen to him. Right. You know, I had to cut him off, like, me, like over a year prior because of some of the nutty stuff he, was, stuff doing. he was doing. And, but this was somebody, like, I was friends with him. Yeah. I went down and I visited him at his home. I met all his kids. Right. I mean, like, what? It's it's not as clean cut as like fighting terrorism in the Middle East, no. where you're like you know this is like our friends, our family. These are like people we loved. What do you, what do right. you do, what do you do? And, with and, that?
2: and you know you risk your life overseas with them. Yeah, and they, they might have you know done some you know heroic things to save you. Uh, in fact, but no, I, I mean January six was an awful day. Um, uh, you know, for, but but I but I think just in our kind of in our world, um, yeah, you, you kind of wonder like how did how did people kind of go down that. Uh, that path, because again, it's not I, I, like the 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 folks I know who, um, you know, believed uh, that somehow that was their patriotic duty to be down there and to storm the Capitol. Uh, and I didn't see this in them previously. Mm-hmm. I, I really didn't. And and some of these people I I knew, I knew quite well, and so. Yeah, it does make it. do you you think that's something that
0: that happened to them in retirement that they weren't really able to transition back into the civilian? Um,
2: Perhaps, Um, you know, one of the worst things that you do in retirement is you sit around and watch too much damn cable television. Yeah, yeah. And you kind of get sucked into that world. Um, And and so, you know, so so maybe maybe, you know, you're you're, the other thing, too, that in our in our world of intelligence and special operations, it's a community. You have that sense of kind of brotherhood and sisterhood. you know that, that that you can so you can see how people miss that, yeah. and then then gravitate towards QAnons or or these guys to QAnon have a sense a Facebook, of community, yeah. Facebook community, um, uh, you know, to have that sense. Oh, look, it's the it's the same grievance that maybe drove us after nine eleven. Like, why did we do all those things for so many years, and and you know, risk our lives and spend so much time away from home? Well, now they have they have another kind of you know piece of of rage. Um, mm-hmm. which is that the election was stolen or some kind of nonsense Something like Something to fight against. Something to fight against. You know, yeah. so, so they miss the fight, so they're back in it in some in some way. But, you know, the, the scary thing is the anger and the passion. I mean, this is right. not me right. having a debate about, um, you know, uh, what, food stamps. <laughs> I, I'm serious. You know, like a normal policy debate right, with, right. Uh, with someone who maybe I, not, I don't agree with ideologically. This is, like, off-the-wall shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, I, I mean... It's you, irrational. It's irrational. Scary. Um...
0: Have uh, this is kind of an interesting one. We covered, we touched it a little bit. Have you done any more research on the Russian interference in 2016? The best metaphor I have is trying to find a smoking gun. Like you smell smoke but can't find the gun. Um, I don't know. What are, What are your thoughts about that?
2: So, boy, what? Are, what you know? Then this, this could have a whole episode on kind of the Mueller yes. report and how that was not, I think, handled correctly. We'll come back tomorrow. <laughs> I got to get back to to Virginia. No, so so here's you know the bottom line for me. I'll, I'll give you just my personal experiences on this, and that's okay. all I can do. Um, uh, you know, as as I took uh, you know my position um, uh, uh, in, as deputy ops chief in in the Europe Eurasia Mission Center, um, you know there was lots of swirl about this, but but ultimately what concerned me and many other people is that there were a ton of contacts between Russian figures, Russian nationals. And and members in round Trump's orbit, um, you know I, I'm not I'm not an analyst. I didn't put together kind of the uh, you, know, you know a PowerPoint um, or any kind of you know you know you know fancy uh, you know algorithm on on where everything fits. But there was so much there. Um, I, I'll never forget, and you know I'll never forget watching TV and seeing you know kind of a what's it called a chiron come across the the, the bottom. Is that the right word chiron? Yes, D is, D yeah. is nodding. Um, and it was talking about, you know, the, a, a famous meeting um, where uh, uh, Jared uh, Kushner, um, you know, went to, uh, and, and I believe it was with, it was Kushner and Flynn, and they went to meet um, the Russian ambassador um, at the Russian embassy in D.C., and they asked to set up a separate communications channel, um, you know, with the Russian government. So, that, you know, that splashed, so, and so I, I can talk about that because it was on the, you know, it, it was on the news. Um, crazy stuff. Um, so there's, there's, there was, you know, there's so much there. So, you know, um, in, in terms of smoking gun or not, there was just, there was a, just a hell of a lot out there. Uh, I, you know, I, I, and I think that, uh, it, there was certainly enough to give people kind of a lot of suspicion on, 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 what the hell was going on. Um, again, you know, Michael Flynn and his contact, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, with, with the Russians, I mean, and, and half these guys are now on, you know, commentators for RT <laughs> OAN. or OAN or OAN. And so, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think I hope that America kind of can move to a point where, um, you know, we can say, as we should say, which the law does say, that it is not OK for foreign governments to have any kind of, you know, uh, you know, part of our electoral process. I mean, I think that's that's something that's uh, that's really important. And then, you know, um, you know, ultimately, there's no doubt after the you know, the, the you know, it was not only the intelligence community assessment on 2016, but also a Senate report you know led by at that time a republican majority in this in the senate select committee on intelligence which kind of detailed the, the kind of the incredible russian interference um in, in our electoral process um and so you know it, it's pretty 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 grim time it, probably the greatest covert operation in the history of espionage influence um, operation the greatest ever yeah um caused a staggering amount of disarray in the american kind of body politic
0: i guess history will be the judge but i have to think that the russians were probably pretty shocked by how effective it was yeah it was amazing Uh, they probably did not expect all of this attention on them right and
2: so you know you're 100 percent right there's probably you know champagnes you know bottles popped and medals given out and you know at svr and fsb headquarters um you know and and from everything i've read in the in the mole report and others this was done on the cheap yeah um you know nothing you know we talk about our old covert action programs you know with you know in the billions this was this was probably Uh, you
0: know, far less. Folks, please subscribe to the channel if you haven't already and hit the bell icon so you get notified when we go live. We will be back on Friday with a veteran of the Chilean special operations community. So dude from Chile. We're going to hear some stuff that doesn't necessarily get talked about very often. So we're excited to have him on Friday. Uh, coming in check out our patreon down in the description if you want to get access to bonus segments and bonus episodes like this this one we made public but normally they're behind a paywall so thank you everyone who joined us and thank you mark for coming in uh do you have any final thoughts anything else that you think is really important to bring up before we we wrap up today
2: no it's it's great seeing you all again doing it in studio is is far more fun I'll, i'll come back um, and we'll do an evening episode and yeah, so it, it yeah. can get derailed on the third hour.
0: I would love to, I'd love to do that. I want that, to see D take his shirt off. <laughs> Mark's book is Clarity in Crisis, a book about leadership with vignettes from your career. Yeah, sure. Um, where can people find you if they want to? <laughs> sure. sure. So, uh,
2: I, I, I have a website, which, uh, which of course, uh, you know, is a link to the book, but also talks about all my kind of, uh, uh you know, leadership talks and, and seminars that I give. It's, uh, markpalmaropoulos.com, pretty easy. I'm on Twitter at, at, at @mpolymer at M Polymer, which which you'll find all sorts of crazy stuff. Everything from dive bars to my view on politics. Your to baseball stuff. Baseball stuff. It's all over the place. It's it's certainly I you know, you know, HarperCollins and others were like like kind of begging me to stop tweeting stuff all the time, but I never listened. Um but it's just it's authentic. You know, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's who I am. Off the cuff. Uh, uh off the cuff. But uh, uh so it's 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 usually Twitter and then just anyone who wants to write me an email, it's mark.polymeropolis at gmail dot com. If you can uh, D you can throw it up there. I get tons of Kind of crazy uh, uh, people writing in, but also, if, if you know, if, especially if folks who want to, are interested in the intelligence community. I love kind of mentoring, um, especially, you know, folks coming out of the military or, or in college um, who are interested in a career in public service. I think it's cool. still a noble calling, and so hit me up, and I'll, I'll help you through the process. That's awesome.
3: And, of course, sound-off.com. It's available on all the uh, Apple the, the Apple Store and Google Play and all there. Check it out.
0: Yeah, so guys, we'll see you on Friday at our usual time, 8 p.m. in a couple days. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, Mark, will Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
4: A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh?
0: Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch-ch-